Welcome to episode 66 of the Rich Roll Podcast with John Joseph. The Rich Roll Podcast. Hey everybody, happy holidays. I am Rich Roll. I am your host. This is the Rich Roll Podcast. What do we do here? Well, each week I bring to you the best and the brightest minds in health, wellness, fitness, nutrition, with one goal in mind, to help you unlock and unleash your best, most authentic self. I've had all kinds of people on the show, world-class athletes, doctors, nutritionists, lawyers, yoginis, yogis, meditators, spiritualists, entrepreneurs, the whole gamut. And, you know, I don't agree with everybody that I have on the show, and I wouldn't want it that way anyway. You don't learn anything unless you have people on that have different ideas from you that help you broaden your perspective. I only ask that you listen with an open mind, take what resonates with you, discard the rest. It's cool. And again, the idea is to help give you the tools that you need to improve your life, to maximize your short time on this planet so that you can be the healthiest, most present, most actualized version of yourself. And uh, today on the show, I've got a great guest. If you're a fan of the show, if you've been listening for a while, then you might remember episode 41, John Joseph. He just made a small appearance in the Best Of episode. Uh, John is a good friend of mine, and that episode was by far one of my most popular ones. I was recently in New York and thought, I would be remiss if I did not sit down with him again. He's not short on words, and one episode uh, is not enough to uh, pick that guy's brain. And uh, I find him fascinating. His story is extraordinary. He is a survivor growing up, reared on the mean streets of the Lower East Side in New York City, and uh, come out the other side to be an amazing example of selfless service uh, to others. If you're new to the show and you've never heard of John Joseph, who is he? Well, he is uh, the iconic frontman for the punk rock band, the Cro-Mags. He's a wellness warrior. He's a plant-based Ironman in addition to being a rock star, and he's also an author. His autobiography is called Evolution of a Cro-Mag, and he wrote a book, uh, another book that came out in 2010. It was self-published called Meat is for Pussies, which is sort of a primer on – on the role of meat uh, and how it becomes identified as masculine and why we all could benefit from eating more plants and getting plant-based. It it was a a really cool book, Uh, unfortunately out of print now, very difficult to find. But the good news is that HarperCollins has picked up the book and they are going to be re-releasing it this spring. And John spent the better part of the last year revising the book, beefing it up, adding new sections, and uh, turning in uh, a a new version of the book that's uh, 10 times better than the last one, which was great in and of its own right. So we talk a little bit about that today. It's pretty exciting. And I know that Harper has uh, big high hopes for the book, and I think it has the potential to be a real breakout hit. And uh, I'm excited to see that happen. Um, John is opinionated. He is outspoken. Uh, He is also explicit in his language. So if you're a little queasy about that, just a heads up, uh, or if you're at work or driving around with kids or something like that, you might want to stick the earbuds in, just uh, letting you know up front. Um, But 
please do not uh, tune out on that basis or you will be missing out on some amazing information. We talk about a lot of amazing stuff today. GMOs, the evolution of how aspartame uh, became FDA approved and all kinds of good, crazy, awesome information. Uh, before we get into the episode, it's the holiday season. In fact, it's only a couple days before Christmas, last minute shopping. You're on Amazon going crazy. What can I get delivered overnight? Uh, we ask that if you want to support the podcast, use the Amazon banner ad at richroll.com. Just go to richroll.com. It's on the right-hand margin there. Click it. takes you to Amazon. Get whatever you're going to get. And it will not cost you one cent extra. But Amazon kicks us a little commission on it that does not come out of your pocket. It comes out of their pocket. And uh, that really has been floating our boat over here. It's been paying all our podcast bills, and we are so appreciative 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 of the support you guys have really uh outdone yourselves um with this and uh it means a lot to us i know it's kind of a mental leap just that extra micro millisecond uh to go to my site first before amazon but the fact that you guys are doing it is awesome i appreciate it one more thing before the interview uh stitcher stitcher radio uh has a uh they are accepting uh, submissions right now for their best of podcast for the year. And it would be great if you've been enjoying the program, if you would go to stitcher.com and uh, click on the Stitcher Awards banner and vote for us for best health and lifestyle podcast for 2013. That would be cool. We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel. But what you wear isn't just clothes. It is, without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you, after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics, and just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking On's high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor-fit, built to move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in Fleetfoot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team. From increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by Birch. If you're serious about optimizing your sleep, listen up. I've spent countless hours researching and testing various methods to improve my nightly shut-eye, and I can confidently say that it all starts with a good foundation. And if your bed is old, if it's uncomfortable, lumpy, then your sleep inevitably is going to be impacted. So it's important to invest in a quality mattress, one that's insanely comfortable, that's organic, sustainably made, and that, my friends, is a birch mattress. Fairtrade and Rainforest Alliance certified with the finest quality organic natural materials like organic fair trade cotton, 
Birch mattresses are made with none of the toxic chemicals and off-gassing produced by most major brands. Kind of important not to be breathing that for a third of your life, I'd say. Plus, it's super luxurious. I've been sleeping on Birch for about five years, and I'd say it's the perfect ratio of soft to supportive, and the craftsmanship is just next level. I've got one in every room of my house. I love it. Pretty sure you will too. And right now, Birch is giving 20% off all mattresses and two free EcoRest pillows at birchliving.com slash richroll. That's 20% off and two free EcoRest pillows. Sleep better with Birch. We're brought to you today by Seed. Gut health is all the rage. There's good reason for that. I've probably devoted, I don't know, at least a dozen episodes of this podcast to the many, many crucial ways the microbiome contributes to your overall well-being or lack thereof, and to the many diet and lifestyle protocols we should all adopt to promote gut health, from fermented food to fiber and everything in between, including, of course, the importance of supplementing with a probiotic. And the one that I have come to trust far beyond the shenanigans of the supplement world is Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. It's the most solid, science-based, and rigorously evidence-backed probiotic and prebiotic on the market. Formulated for optimal digestion, gut immune function, gut barrier integrity, skin health. In fact, my 16-year-old daughter has been using it to clear up a significant acne issue, and it's been wonderful, as well as many other systemic benefits. Like I said, I've been taking it daily, personally, for years. I love it. My body loves it. And right now, for our listener community, Seed is offering 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Visit seed.com slash richroll and use the code richroll25 to redeem this offer. That's seed.com slash richroll or code richroll25. Ladies and gentlemen, my friend, the outspoken, iconic John Joseph. Enjoy. Yeah, man. Oh, Rich we're back. We're back. Number In the two. Hot seat. Number two, man. Number two. Whoa, don't say that. By popular demand. <laughs> Why? Why not say Number that? Number two means you, you know, you took oh, a dump. No. Yeah, well, hopefully <laughs> this will kidding. be better than that. Yeah. But yeah. maybe just as satisfying. Yeah, man. <laughs> you know, it was bugged out because we ate at Candle last night, and then the English girl came out with her mother. And she said, oh, I heard about Candle 79 because you and Rich talked about it on the podcast. That it was, was crazy. kind of trippy, right? I know. It was insane. It was. Actually, that's the th- I love coming to New York. Yeah. It's the third time. I've been here like a day and a half. It's the third time someone stopped me on the street and said, hey, you know, are you Rich Roll? I listen to the podcast. Of course, they were all in front of vegan restaurants. So yeah, yeah. it's not like it just happened randomly in the middle of nowhere. But yeah, we come, we have dinner at Candle Cafe, Candle 79 last night, which if you're listening and you're in New York City, you got to go to this place. It's incredible. Amazing. Food is unbelievable. Unbelievable. All organic. Organic, plant-based restaurant. And uh, it was uh, you, me, Mishka, and his girlfriend, Lucy. Awesome time. And we're leaving. Yeah, and this British girl rolls up. She's like, hey, are you rich? Well, I listen to the podcast. I'm only, she was visiting from London with her mom. And the only reason she was at the restaurant is because she had heard us talking about it on the podcast. And then I go, yeah, John Joseph's standing right there. She freaked out. Oh. <laughs> I mean, how weird yeah. is that? What's well, crazy. Yeah. I don't know. Amazing. Got a but, lot of uh, legs on that 
first podcast there. Dude, I think it might be the most popular episode that I've done. So well, you're, you're definitely backed by popular demand. My, my girl was like, you saw the text. She drew a heart around the picture of us. Right, like, I know. It's a bromance. <laughs> <laughs> it is, man. Yeah, it's cool. Bro, Always shit. good to uh, connect good with people, you. Good people, man. And uh, I'm excited for all the good stuff that's coming your way, coming up, man. It's going to be a big year for you. Yeah, you know, I'm just doing my meditations and keeping everything level-headed but uh you know yeah so harper collins picked up the book mm-hmm. that was the thing in the last podcast there was like a mad rush on people trying to track down uh me's for pussies and i got all these messages tweets and emails like i tried yeah. to get it i can't find it where do i find the book and when you first released it what year was that 2010 and that was was it a it was self-published we todd uh irwin who's my business partner in loudspeaker um put the book out what's loudspeaker it's our uh llc because we wrote uh i wrote a movie Mm -hmm. and uh we're in you know development of a uh reality show um based on what we do which is help heal people and you know pma positive mental attitude and work with people so everything's coming through our production company right i got you because i'm kind of a loud dude so mm. they called it <laughs> loudspeaker speaker. you, you want to call it blood clot industries nah, man <laughs> i got a I got a film coming about the blood clot brothers which is me and my two brothers and stuff a comedy obviously uh-huh. but uh yeah so you know Harper Collins wave picked up uh picked up the book and how did that hat so so you self-released it and you did a limited run so you you ran out of print copies yeah right? yeah like, I think you can buy it if you go to eBay or something like that for some top yeah, dollar amount like crazy amount wrote, of money to wrote, buy to wrote get. me today that Amazon somebody's got the book up there the evolution of a Cro-Magnon which is my other book for like $80 or something I'm, I just told people you know don't don't buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, the book's coming out end of June, July. And the way it all went down was um, I got a lot of movement. I wrote this screenplay and based on the first book, Evolution. And, um, you know, it was just like, not like I don't know, people in the industry, they get so many films, you know, because you write as right. well. But, like, it just sat in a pile. And then, like... Uh, my friend Dante Ross gave it to Flower Pictures, which is true. That's true. Very Morris. Yeah, and uh, so I didn't hear nothing, and then all of a sudden, like a month later, month and a half, like Dante calls me up. He's like, "Yo, they bugged on your script. Mm-hmm. Like they want to meet. She's coming into town." So I met with them, and things- sure, her partner, Drew's partner, is nancy juvenon right who's married to jimmy fallon i think yeah yeah, yeah. so uh but i'm talking with one of the vps over right, there development yeah development uh vps and then um so then so is there any is there any uh development on that since the last time we talked about it uh yeah well they they sent it to my friend who's a director and see if she wants to sign on to That's it patty jenkins yeah, yeah you know when you know i mean she's really busy she has an amazing film coming that everyone's going to be hearing about which i, I don't want to really drop the name because right. she's having issues over whatever but she's an amazing she's married to sam sheridan who wrote all the books, uh, A Fighter's Mind, and, mm-hmm. you know, um, 
he was in that movie Warrior, the the uh, MMA movie. And I just listened to an interview with her not that long ago, and she she was doing the press circuit because she uh, she created the, the television show Betrayal, which is on ABC. I think. Yeah, I'm ABC. Not sure. um, so she was doing the junket on that. She, it was on uh, KCRW as a show called The Business. They talk about that kind of stuff, and and I think she was she was cagey about her movie. She didn't want to talk too yeah. much about her movie, but on the TV show. What's interesting about that, if you haven't caught it, um, it's sort of about, uh, it's kind of a love triangle or these two people kind of meet, they're both married and it's about, um, you know, searching for happiness. How long do you stay in an unhealthy relationship? All this kind of stuff. But there's a character in the show who, uh, who's the son of kind of the Baron of Chicago real estate. And he's a little off. He had a car accident, but he, but he was really into the music scene. And in almost every episode, he's wearing a Cro-Mags t-shirt. And I'm like, Oh, that's Patty's, you know, signature there. A little shout out to you. Patty hit me up and asked me to send her a bunch of stuff. And, you know, I mean, she cut, like I went to the premiere of, uh, Monster, because in case anyone mm-hmm. doesn't know, Patty directed and wrote Monster, and Charlize won the Academy Award for the screenplay. I mean, without the like, screenplay and the directing, of course. then nobody gets the Academy and, Award. And, and the sheer force of will that it took to birth that movie, because that movie came out against all odds. Like Amazing. N- nobody, you know, it wasn't like she was a big name director, and it was very, you know, ballsy to cast somebody like Charlize Theron in, the, in right. that role and nobody ever thought thought that anything was going to come of that movie it was going to be a directed dvd kind of thing. I, yeah. I mean when i went to the i mean patty comes from the punk rock scene that's how i mm-hmm. know her and like they were like looking at me all fucking inked up and like i'm sitting in the in the row with like charlize theron and everybody else and patty was working the red carpet and they're like so how do you know patty like, like, who's you the, know who's who is the gutter rot, is gutter rat it, yeah guy. like did this dude fucking you know <laughs> crash out shit like Uh what's up but yeah patty comes from punk rock and i mean i i love her because of what she endured to get where she is nobody gave her nothing she waited tables at dojo downtown put herself through all this through her whole film stuff and 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 you know i mean she's got serious street cred man Mm -hmm. she is nobody to play with and like you know i told you that story last night she punched this like big uh rasta black dude that you you know he was a bully and patty uh-huh. punched him in the face with a beer mug and slit his whole face open because he <laughs> fucked with her and called her a dumb white bitch and big mistake uh-huh. but uh yeah patty is um she's an amazing person and i'm so happy so she's for still her. attached to the project and um uh, she's doing but i mean she's got her betray, other stuff but right she's now, got a but. new movie uh you know, coming and stuff, which is going to be, I mean, I know the premise of it. It's going to be, you're going to be hearing all about this because mm-hmm. like a few people I know that are writers read the script and they just fucking bugged. They're like, wow. But, mm-hmm. uh, so what happened with me was that, um, back to the other thing, um, we got movement on the script. So then my business partner, Todd used that to get the agent and ICM. And then he was like, uh, the Thug Kitchen blog, uh, they were shopping a book deal. So oddly enough, we're sitting down there with our agent from ICM in the lobby of HarperCollins, and the assistant comes down, and she's like, oh, she looked at me, and she goes, oh, um, you must be with the Thug Kitchen people. And I was like, <laughs> you know, damn, girl. <laughs> like, uh-huh. you know, looking at me or, or whatever. And I was like, 
uh, no, we're meaties for pussies. And she was like, oh, 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 okay, oh, uh, yeah. Um, so then we went upstairs, and I looked at my agent. He's like, very interesting. Like, they were coming in the same mm. day to pitch. Wow. But, you know, when I first heard about those guys online, I was reading their shit, and, you know... They were like, you got to eat your motherfucking kale. It got, you know, mm -hmm. mad. Like, I thought it was a dude from the street. And right. I was writing them like, yo, I love your blog. Uh -huh. And they would never respond. Like, and I'm like, that's weird. And um, then I find out it's like this nerdy white dude and his girlfriend in California. Right, like, putting on all this affectation yeah, so they're about like, what they're doing. So that when I walked in to pitch the book, I said, let me tell you something. I'm the real motherfucking thug kitchen. And, mm -hmm. and the lady was like, and had, you know, was like, I don't care what you have to do. I want this book. Because mm -hmm. we pitched it for 15 minutes and talked. And just what they do, we, we vibed because Julie from Harper was friends with Brendan and mm -hmm. Brendan, Brendan Brazier and you know and, and so then you know so the, all this stuff is going on now with like the TV show and I'm writing a pilot for another scripted TV show and the script's got legs and so it's it's kind of like this big ball of right. momentum coming of you know when you work hard you know it's like what alan ball said when everybody congratulated him oh you're an overnight success right. and he on said american oh yeah beauty or, yeah you know. on american beauty and he was like yeah it only took me 10 years to become an overnight right, of success toiling and obscurity exactly and that's what writing is you know yourself uh being a writer and you just have to like sit down and write every day and if you do it then you know you can't be uh, you can't be attached to the outcome. You have to yeah. love the process of it, and you know, be willing to show up for it every day, regardless of what happens. Well, and, that's that's, and Bhagavad that's the Gita. only way you can stay sane through the whole right. thing. Right, and know? that's Bhagavad Gita. You have a right to the work, but not the result of the work. Mm -hmm. If you do something, even music, you see all these guys. You know, because I've been on the music scene you know, 30 plus years and like whatever's hot, like, you know, when the emo or the grunge, like everybody's changing with like the weather, like the seasons and really not doing it from a place of purity and the love of the music. They're trying to, you know, imitate what's hot at the point. And all those bands are gone and here the Cro-Mags are still out doing it because we just did it for the love of the music and not for the money or whatever. It was always about you know, going out mm -hmm. there and putting on the best show and, and just um, being authentic to who you yeah, are. Yeah. 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 So with all this stuff going on, the pilot, the, the book and, and actually to backtrack a little bit. Uh, so this new release of meat is for pussies that's coming out through Harper Collins in June. You did quite a bit of a re of rewriting though. This is going to be if yeah. for people who have already read it, this is going to be oh, it's different, new, right? Yeah. New chapters. Uh, by the way, Mr. Rich Roll, mm -hmm. I have the honor of uh, having you write the forward for the book, which is, I mean, they just, you wrote such an amazing forward. They, I mean, you know, top people in the literary world would just, you know, HarperCollins is like the creme de la creme, mm -hmm. and they've absolutely flipped out on it. I'm and, glad uh, to hear that. Yeah, man. dude, Thank they you. loved it. They, yeah. were, I mean, it was so well written and just, you know, because I asked you actually to write the afterword, and then right. like I was like, wait a minute, this is kind of, and then you like 
you know, you sent me the message. You know, like I wanted well, here's to tell what happened. you, yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, that I wrote the forward. Well, first of all, it was an honor for you to even ask me to contribute at all. I was happy to do it. And it started off with, hey, I want to, you know, I want to profile a couple athletes in the book. Will you send me a picture? Maybe I'll interview you. I was like, cool, man, whatever you need, dude. Right. Like I'm, I'm here for you just to be of service to whatever, you know, the book, to make your book the best it can be. And then something happened and you said, hey, you know, what would you think about writing the afterword? And I was like, yeah, man, it's cool. And then you're like texting me every day, like, cause you're on a deadline. You're like, yeah, I, yeah. I have to turn it on this day. <laughs> I have to turn, you know, I'm like, don't worry, dude. Like you said, uh, this is not my first rodeo. Like, I got it, man. I got yeah, your yeah. back. Don't worry <laughs> yeah, about yeah, it. And then yeah, on the yeah. last day, it was, I sent it, it in you. But here was my, th- my thinking was, I'm going to hit this one out of the park. <laughs> and I wrote it. I go, this, I'm actually going to write the foreword to the book, but I'm not going to tell him that. Well, <laughs> the you. powers that be, the light came on. I was like, this is the you know, this is the forward. <laughs> yeah. uh, so yeah. my plan worked out. I was oh, gonna, yeah. I was gonna write that in the email to you, and then I was like, oh, then I'll jinx it. Then yeah, then but right happen, away, but, uh, I was like, yo, this. You know, they read it and they were like, "This is the forward," and I was like, "Yeah, that's the same thing I thought." And, right. Well, I'm glad that worked out, yeah. and I'm I'm honored uh, to be included in the book, so I'm looking forward to it. So what what else there's is different new, about there's it? There's new chapters. Um, we added about five new chapters. Uh, updated. All the information, and so I mean, so much has transpired uh, since that book came out mm-hmm. with the plant-based, uh, you know, movement, and I mean, even forks over knives wasn't even out wasn't yet even out. when yeah, I yeah, put yeah. that so book out. There's a out. lot that's happened. And then my trainer, who is an NASM uh, master instructor and plant-based trainer, he's he's a beast. Aaron Jozavanovsky, uh did a 30-day workout plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, with me and uh, so that's in there and there's mental toughness training tips for every one of the 30 days from you know guys like you Brendan my friend who's a Navy SEAL Green Berets like like mm-hmm. the whole gamut uh, of just people who had to push past mental stuff to accomplish amazing things in their life because that's really an important part of the whole process mm-hmm. It's not just about, like, do you have kale on your plate? Yeah. You have to be mentally tough and, 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 you know, pro-Iron Man and UFC fighters, uh, you know, all contributed. James Wilkes, who's a Mm -hmm. good friend. Yeah. And uh, and then there's new recipes from raw food chefs and all kinds of people. You have a couple of those transitional kind of meals. Because I'm not so anal about, like, oh, my God, you ate wheat gluten. It's like, dude, Mm -hmm. you know give me a break like you know just because you may be raw foods now or whatever that's not for everybody and you know i tried to put something in there for everyone mm-hmm. so that um you know right so um just to backtrack though a little bit if somebody's brand new to the podcast maybe they didn't listen to the other episode uh and if you haven't you should go back and listen to it i think it's episode 41 where we get into this in more depth but if you're new just lay out what meat is for pussies is the book because it's a lightning rod title. Right. You got in a little trouble or a little, yeah, little I, I controversy the, over that when it came out before. But I mean, uh, you know who attacked me the most was all these bull crap, v- politically correct vegans mm-hmm. were just like up in arms. Like, well, this is like the thing that kind of goes on in this subculture um, where they can all be their own worst enemies. There's yeah. like a big controversy right now happening in in the fruitarian community oh, over like Durian Rider and the Woodstock Fruit Festival and all of that. And regardless of where you come down on that, the point kind of remains the same, which is that 
that there's a tendency to lose sight of the bigger picture or the more important things like within the vegan world or the plant-based world, there are all these subcategories, right? People who believe this way or one way. And, and there's a lot of kind of infighting that occurs or, you know, sort of just debate that, uh, I think for the general public, you know, the mass population at large, uh, they look at that from the outside and, and it, it becomes off-putting to them. Yeah. And so something that they might benefit from or learn from or be interested in, they end up turning away from it. Well, that's and one I think thing. we're aligned in our, you know, in our sort of uh, willingness and desire to transcend that a little bit. I mean, I never call myself a vegan for that reason. Even though I am, I don't wear leather. I don't use anything with any animal products, but I refuse to be labeled by that title because to me food is not the all in all and that's the thing those people it's like they're staying stuck on stupid they're like you know foodies what i call them it's like everything's about you know food and like they get so anal about everything they miss like you said sight of the big picture mm, the food which, is just the start yeah the food it's is like, like a, a, it, a portal to a greater you know evolution of consciousness and that's what it's all about that's what i deal with like you know that's why to me i'm like most of the people that are involved in this whole movement i hang out with maybe five percent of them and it's guys like you and brendan people that james wilkes you know that are real down to earth and and um open-minded about stuff and you know I, i like i said i'd rather go hang out with somebody eat you know that eats mcdonald's and is and is cool that's open-minded you know just like even last night uh your friend um mishka mishka the author and uh you know ultra runner like he you know it, it was so cool to talk to him now am i gonna sit there and judge him because he eats whatever no i deal with people uh you know at one point mm-hmm. i was yamming hamburgers and i would eat meat that Fucking nobody else would eat rotting. I, you know, I was starved as a kid. I would like steal rotting green molded meatballs out of like diners. Right. That's how hungry I was. So, who am I to judge anybody? And that's the thing. When all you care about is food, you could be, you become obsessive about it. And I don't want to do that. I'm like, okay, eat your fucking kale and move on. Let's get on to some bigger, bigger, bigger issues that's going mm-hmm. on in the world. And that's really. You know, I got my hands in everything, man. Helping kids who are incarcerated. I mean, all kind, feeding the homeless, all kinds of stuff. You know, right? Yeah, we were talking about this last night. You know, there's this bifurcation of people that get into this way of eating, and they either come into it from the ethical point of view, like they're animal rights people, or they come in for health reasons. But I think, and we were talking about this. I think that what happens is once you sort of make this transition and you clean up your diet and you start to realize that. This has sort of a domino effect on all sorts of aspects of your life, from your consciousness to your perspective, the way you interact with people, that this world of, of this distinction between ethics or morality and health and diet start to merge, yeah. that it really is one thing. It becomes the same thing. And I think you, you know, you're kind of, in many ways, the embodiment of that, because it is for health, but it's also... Health and, health and morality is, not, is no longer like a distinction with, with you in your life. Right, because that's what happens as you start to eat. Like, the bad brains are the ones that got me into it. Like, you know, they got me into the raw foods. Their sound man, the late JW, was, mm-hmm. you know, raw foods. And so I started uh, simultaneously get, getting books on philosophy and, and all this other stuff, but also cleaning the carcass out of my system and, you know, which affects your consciousness. And 
you know, it, it was a, a simultaneous, for me, it's a two, two, you know, there's two tips on that spear, and it's, you know, I'm doing it because I care about animals, and it's also mm-hmm. for health reasons as well, because I'm, I'm training, and that's the thing I always tell these people, you people are so nice, and you go to animal sanctuaries, and then you treat each other like shit, and you treat other people like shit, so... Where's the compassion for the people? Where's the compassion for your fellow man or you know, or, mm-hmm. or sister out there? And that's what it's all about. And that's why people get turned off by the whole thing because, you know, some of these people's attitudes are just like, I'm just not down with it, man. I, mm-hmm. I, I come from the streets of New York. I keep it real with everybody. And, you know, that's uh, that's how I roll. Oh. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. And, uh, yeah, I mean, speaking of, of of this, you know, idea of veganism and how it can divide rather than unite, um, you actually have a chapter in your book titled... I won't. You, do it? you don't nah, want to say that? I don't want to say it. All right, you like, won't say it. My book ain't coming. Like, yeah, usually I, before the podcast, I sit down and go, is there anything you don't want to talk about? Usually, well, you know, and usually you, the answer is no, but I forgot you, to ask you that You know you what world we're living in now? <laughs> I, like, you know, I'm 51. I grew up on the streets of New uh-huh. York. It's like everybody had respect for each other. You know what happened to me when I announced the title of Meat is for Pussies, man? Did, somebody went, and I, they read it in an interview, and this guy trademarks the websites, mediasofpussies.com, mediasofpussies, this, that, the other thing, and mm-hmm. then reaches out to me and goes, yo, do you want to buy the, the domain names from oh, me? Wow. And I was like, yeah, I'll tell you what, there's a park uh, at the end of, uh, you know, meet me there, yeah. uh, 11.30, and, and come alone, <laughs> motherfucker, <laughs> you know? Like that really happened? What year was that? Yeah, that's like when, illegal now. Like, uh, yeah, like two th- right before the book came out, and then I was like, "Yo, Todd, my my business partner." I was like, "Yo, this dude, like, we went to start registering the door, and then the dude hit me up on the ma- on the Meetings with Pussies Facebook page and was like, "I'm willing to negotiate about. Yeah, I'll negotiate with you." Wow, you know, like trolls. Yeah, so I just try to keep. You know everything, yeah. But there's really there's a I I, I it's not really a chapter. It's kind of like part a sub chapter of a mm-hmm. chapter. But it's about that whole attitude and what my stance is on the whole calling myself a vegan or the way these uh, people have become obsessed. You know, either with food, like you see with the raw fooders too. It's like motherfucker, if I gotta hear you talk about kale chips and and flax crackers and sprouted hummus, I'm gonna like beat your head mm-hmm. into the ground. <laughs> Shut up, you know. Uh huh. Like I was, I was in pure. Um, Pure Food and Wine the other day, and this guy just, uh, he's one of these dudes that, like, you know, forces his conversation on the people eating next to them and just goes on to this rant for, like, 15 minutes about raw foods and this, that, the other thing, and I'm like, Mm -hmm. yo, like, you know. Turned off. Yeah, it's just not my thing, man, you know. So, uh, the idea, though of meat is for pussies goes beyond this idea that you know i mean i mean sort of on its face you read the title and you go oh you're 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 a wimp or you're a puss if you're if you're eating meat and i think what you're really getting at more is is don't be a pussy in the context of becoming enslaved by um the sort of general operating system of our society you know not not just believing everything you read and having enough independent 
thinking and backbone to inquire for yourself and to make the right choices that are in your best long-term interest, not just in health, but in consciousness and living the way you interact with other people, you know, uh, whether it's your relationship with pharmaceuticals and processed foods and GMOs and all of these things that we've slowly become enslaved to that we've almost welcomed into our, into our lives. Like unsuspectingly now we're all eating all these foods that are poisoning us and uh, have kind of signed up for this without even being aware of what's being done to us. And to not be a pussy is to take a stand and say no and exempt yourself from that equation. Is right. that fair? Absolutely. And I mean, we like we had the discussion about aspartame and then right. I, I wanted to talk Mishka, about that. that whole. Yeah. So get into that. I, 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 well, we, let me just backtrack just okay. at one point. And what I even say in the intro, because because. The title came, as I said, it was some dude saying that everybody who's a vegetarian or whatever is a, is a, looks like a skinny pussy. And that's, you know, so we were trying to come up with the name for the book. And then I was like, my, my, my um, Todd Irwin was like, yo, you need to throw it back in their faces. That's the assumption mm-hmm. all these guys make was that I'm going to be a wimp and weak if I, you know, don't eat meat. So that's... But, you know, where the title kind of, because he said vegetarians and vegans were pussies, and mm-hmm. then Todd was like, nah, man, you got to. And I said to him in that conversation, man, fuck that, because what these people don't realize is unknowingly they're consuming these products. And that's what I even say in the introduction of the book. I'm like, if you continue to live a sedentary lifestyle, eating all this poisonous food, you're going to become a pussy dependent upon the pharmaceutical companies to keep you alive and, you know, like put a Band-Aid over shotgun wounds, which is what you see in this country. Right. Yeah, that's exactly, I mean, that's a much better way of putting what I was trying to get at. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. So we're at dinner last night, and... uh, and the the topic of aspartame came up, and and I mean, of course, I know it's not good for you, but I didn't know the extent to which this uh, essentially conspiracy runs that runs through our culture that allowed this product to come onto the market. And you were kind enough to enlighten us. And then I came back to my hotel room and I went on Google and checked it out because I was like, I don't know, man, that sounds pretty crazy. What John was saying, I got to find out. And like, sure enough, there's Dude. tons of websites on this stuff. So break that down. G.D. Searle, man, that's Rumsfeld brought the patent. So yeah, Monsanto bought G.D. Searle, which was a, which was a, is it a pharmaceutical? Pharmaceutical, yeah. And and, uh, Donald Rumsfeld was the CEO, and they controlled the patent on aspartame at the time, which had been to to at that point in time, at like 1991, had been outlawed. They kept trying to get it on the market for For years and years and years. years. The FDA kept saying, no way, there's no way we're putting this on the market. It's toxic. It's poisonous. It's been linked to the activation of uh, cancer and brain tumors and migraines and all these sorts of problems, right? Yeah. So what happens? So so Donald Rumsfeld, (laughs) uh, during the the, um, Reagan Reagan administration— Uh, one of his good buddies, I'm blanking on the name right now, gets appointed as uh, one of the high judges in the administration. And uh, basically, Rumsfeld says, I'm going to call in my marker as soon as that happens to my buddy. Mm-hmm. So sure enough, boom, guy gets in there. They get Arthur Hayes uh, yeah. appointed to 
be the head of the FDA. So he, he was, was the one sort that of a pawn to these guys. Yeah, right? and he kind of broke the tie of the vote. They started working mm -hmm. behind the scenes to convince all these people. Because I guess once the FDA denies a product, they can still resubmit every year, right? Yeah. So they were resubmitting they every were year. And, and it then, was getting turned down every right. year. But it then they get haze in, they get haze in, and they resubmit again, and they knew he was going to tip the vote this time. Yeah, and he tipped the vote in favor, and, it, you know, it got approved. And it was like 94 yeah. or something like that, I think. Yeah, but the, the, oddly enough, like even when I posted it today, because I, I posted that excerpt out of my book, Meaties for Pussies, and all these people were like, dude, ever since I read your book, I had like 10 of those symptoms. And I read your book and I, and I, you know, I took everything that I was eating. It contained aspartame, uh, which now they realize that everyone got hip to aspartame. So now what you have to watch out with is a additive called Amino Sweet. Mm -hmm. And they've that's, renamed it. They've re They've rebranded it because so many people got hip to the aspartame thing. And she said, she told me that as soon as I excluded everything that had, and I went to like, um, you know, natural, like coconut sugars or whatever for sweetener, uh, all of those symptoms went away. Ten, mm -hmm. She had 10 of those symptoms of all of those symptoms that I was, you know, listing and um, joint pain. I mean, everything. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem, a problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple. Search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life in recovery is wonderful, and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. You are listening to this podcast because you care about improving your health and your well-being. 
but this quest is incomplete if you have yet to add my friend Dr. Rangan Chatterjee's Feel Better, Live More podcast into your listening quiver. An RRP favorite and someone I'm personally quick to call when I'm in need of good advice. From nutrition to mindset, fitness, and relationships, each episode is packed with the tools you need to become the architect of your health. Subscribe to Feel Better, Live More, available wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. There are certain rare people who have a powerful voice and know how to use it. My friend Amanda Decadene is one such human. The podcast is called The Conversation because it is the conversation, a groundbreaking series of raw and honest exchanges on the issues that matter most, mental health, sex, politics, ambition, gender roles, and more. Listen to The Conversation wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. Yeah, I mean, I think aspartame is in uh, over 6,000. 5,000 5, products. food products on yeah. the market. And, you know, everything, from, it's not just the, it's equal, right, is the yeah. package one. But, but you know, diet, every diet food, every every the sugar gum, substitute, everything. everything just look at, just look at everything. Soda. And if you see aspartame, man, that, that thing should have a skull and bones on it because that was never meant to be consumed, um, you know, by human by beings. Human yeah, beings. they got it on they didn't they never did human trials on it. They yeah. just released it. Exactly. Which is what they're doing now with the GMOs too. It's like, you know, when you have people that are involved in these companies, Monsanto, Syngenta, and the rest of them, uh, you know, they're funding the research. So it's like, how are you gonna let somebody like that mm-hmm. fund the research? Like even if, you know, like all these people are coming out against Jeffrey Smith, because I posted something on um, on the Cro-Mag page, oddly enough, that everybody should watch uh, Jeffrey Smith's uh, documentary called Genetic Roulette. And I, this guy just comes out and starts attacking me and going back and forth. Sure enough, I click onto his page. Guess who he works for? <laughs> Fucking Monsanto, Monsanto. dude. And I'm like, dude, you're a Monsanto scientist. Of course you're going to cite. So every study that I cited, he said was bogus. And mm-hmm. every study that he cited, which was done by Monsanto, he said these are the legit studies. Right. And what were those studies you saying? You know, just about the safety and, and side effects of, uh, of genetically modified food on human beings. Uh, you know. What are the studies that are not funded by Monsanto saying? Uh, that it causes uh, all kinds of uh, endocrine disruptors. Uh, it's, it causes all kinds of diseases uh, in human beings, I mean, the test trials that they've done, I'm not into animal testing, but it produced uh, tumors, like just crazy stuff. And now they started putting, um, epicyte has been put in this in the soy, and now it's getting, it's a gene by this company that they put in there. And guess what it does? It disrupts the reproductive system of women, and it kills sperm in men. Hmm. So... You know, if anyone's having out there having trouble conceiving and, you know, the whole thing about this stuff is all you may be eating uh, 
vegan food or whatever or vegetarian but if you start looking into every single thing like what dr fred bishi says any doubt leave it out you need to really know where that stuff is because anything with any type of soy emulsifier or anything that's coming 98 percent right. of all the soy mm-hmm. out there is genetically modified if it does not say organic non-gmo soy so you're eating all of mm-hmm. these poisonous um there's no legal requirement to label these foods uh to make sure that the public knows that they contain gmos right a company that is putting a food product out there that is non-gmo will volunteer to make sure that their consumers know that um, but there's no obligation to do so so if it doesn't say non-gmo it's going to be gmo well the hottest labeling right now in all of the whole food industry is the non-GMO project. That's Mm -hmm. what everybody's looking for. So the word by people like you doing your show with all the listeners and guys like Jeffrey Smith and and all these people that are saying, man, hold on. You know, you got these people, these conglomerates that have billions of dollars to throw out there stopping uh, the labeling. Like I said, I told the scientists that, I said, if you're so friggin' proud of your product, why don't you let everybody know what it is? You know, Mm -hmm. let the public know, hey, man, this is our great genetically modified food. And I'll tell you exactly why that is, because in the future, there's going to be lawsuits and they don't want it to be tracked back to them. Mm -hmm. But now what's going on, um, you know, uh, people aren't really aware of the re- the reach of Monsanto and these companies all over the world. So mm-hmm. now you got guys like uh, Bill Gates coming off as a philanthropist, but he owns millions of dollars in stock in Monsanto. Yeah, and he's His- going over there to Africa, which banned completely GMOs except for South Africa. And now, through the guise of philanthropy, he's saying, "Oh yeah, we'll give you this." We'll give you the seeds. You don't have to pay patent fees. The you know all the you know Roundup you can possibly you know spray on your crops. But what's really going on is those are going to spread onto other people's farms, and that's what their track record is: is taking control. Because if we look at the history of Monsanto, they're a chemical company. Their job is to sell chemicals. Okay, their job, uh, they sprayed Agent Orange, all this stuff that, that, and their job is to sell Roundup or uh, their pesticides. So if you use their seed, you must use their. You have to use their pesticide because their pesticide is specifically designed to genetically yeah, it's, it's engineered to fit correctly to with fit. that seed, right? So, so the progression of the chemical company to sort of creating these Franken foods or these seeds that where they've devised this DNA sequence that they can patent and control effectively allows them to control our food system. And when the seeds blow from one farm to the next, these farms become contractors to Monsanto, right? They have these yeah. they have these agreements in place where they have to use these seeds and then the farm next door may not have that agreement. The seeds blow from one farm over to the next, then Monsanto has a basis to sue that other farm and say you're using our seeds without permission, sign this agreement or we're coming after you. And and they and that sue is incredibly and they win. predatory. Yeah. And so. anybody if you watch The Future of Food or any uh, which is a great one about the politics mm-hmm. of the world according to Monsanto and The Future of Food get in to 
what some people that are um, haven't done the research I have would say is a conspiracy. But it's not a conspiracy because just like you proved with aspartame, you thought I was out of my friggin' mind. No, I didn't, but no, I was going to check know, it out, too. You know, because I'm Cause one I didn't of these know. dudes. I don't, like, I don't know everything about all this yeah. stuff. And you know a lot more about GMO stuff than right, I do. Right, because I've been stu- I, I mean, like I said, I remember when they first tried to pass Codex Alimentarius in the early 80s because I was working at a health food store and all these hippies were like, you know, bugging out. Like, like, yo, they're trying to, like, take control of the food and stop this whole organic food movement. And sure enough, oh, Codex is, you know, going on in Canada now. And I think that's why Explain they're attacking. That is a little bit, Codex though. Alimentarius uh, was originally, it was a food safety uh, standard um, by the World Health Organization and the UN or whatever. And it was really to protect the food across the planet. But then these corporations got involved and bought out the whole thing. So now you have the pharmaceutical companies and the GMO companies and the rest of them kind of saying, wanting, they, they realized, look, if you watch the movie Forks Over Knives, that's the biggest worry that these pharmaceutical companies have. Because what happens by the end of the movie? The guy throws away all his medication. He mm-hmm. doesn't need it anymore. So this is the pharmaceutical companies and the GMO companies coming in, getting behind this whole agenda, mm-hmm. and they're fining uh, countries huge amounts of... I mean, I really believe that's why they went after Brendan Brazier and the, and the Canadian government to, to pull his product, where it was like they, were like, they were like, you have to consume really a million pounds of Vega because of this one enzyme that ended up in yeah, the Yeah, I knew there was a voluntary recall, but I don't know the story behind yeah. it. I mean, that's a whole nother issue, but Codex is really... You know, if you look, for instance, now they want to prescribe that uh um um you know like uh supplements and stuff like that that those are drugs you are going to have to get a mm-hmm. prescription for and you know i had um go to i go to europe a lot on tour so somebody did some research and was like in germany and was like yo look at the look at the dosage of these vitamins and now look at the dosage of these vitamins uh today and it was like cut by a fifth. In other words, like, you know, they're, you know, they're making it harder to get herbs, the supplements that people are taking, which are all natural. They're just, you know, basically they want people to be sick. That's mm-hmm. what it, it all boils down to. And, you know, even getting back to the whole, you know, Monsanto thing and, and what's really going on with all of that. It's like, if you look at this movie, this other movie that I uh, watched called The Idiot Cycle, this woman tracks that these companies really, you know, Pharmacia was originally, um, you know, these these companies stem, like I, sh- I put a whole family tree of where these companies all come from that make these, uh, you know, I mean, companies that made Zyklon gas that they used in the Holocaust are now making your food. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and if you track all of these companies, what they're doing is they're putting these poisonous products out there, pesticides and these foods and all of this crap. And then those are the subsidiary companies of Big Pharma. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they get you. It's it, it it's problem solution. Well, it's a yeah. They complete the circle. 
And she, right. yeah, and, and what this woman did was follow the money. And that's what they always tell you to do. Follow the money. Where does the money lead? And that's where the money leads to, mm-hmm. is these pharmaceutical companies. And that's why these guys make astronomical amounts of money. And if you look on Wall Street, who's making the big bucks? Mm-hmm. Merck, all these companies, you know? It seems like the one place where people have organized sufficiently to rise up against this is in Hawaii. Like the protests that are going on there against GMO and Monsanto, et cetera, that, that seems like the one place where they've got like a center of gravity going on. Have you been following that at all? Well, can I tell you that a friend of mine who used to live in New York knows all the organic farmers out there? Mm-hmm. And the, here's another wild thing <coughs> that a lot of people are thinking is a conspiracy theory too. And it's what's coming out of those airplanes that are spraying all over the farms. And I'm talking about the chemtrail issue because they, uh, Hawaii is a, it, the, the ecosystem of Hawaii is cut off from everywhere else. So Hawaii has been, and she told me this too, has been the testing ground uh, for GMOs and chemtrails. So what they do is... Yeah, I think Monsanto is the largest landholder in, in all of Hawaii. I yeah. Think. So what they're doing is they're testing this stuff that they spray and comes down to the earth. And what it does is it changes the pH of the soil so it becomes so acidic that the that no organic seeds... They're having less and less yields, and that's what she told me. A lot of the farmers out there have had to switch to GMO papaya and all kinds of stuff. That's the only thing that will grow. Because, and, and, and oddly enough, in 2009, a shell company in Brazil patented the aluminum-resistant seed, okay, that Monsanto's getting a hold of now, too. And that's what they're spraying is aluminum oxide out of those planes and barium and strontium. And that is because they have to control. They want complete. They've said it. These GMO companies have said we want complete control of the food supply worldwide from from farm to table. So they know the only watchdog groups and the people who are living off the grid and doing the organics. Well, how do we stop that? Okay, well, we'll just go 30,000 feet above them and spray it all into the clouds and seed the clouds. And then when that stuff falls to the ground, you know, and if you watch uh, what in the world are they spraying, there's scientists that studied those soil samples for months and months and months. And, I, you know, even this guy in Mount Shasta I met in when I was doing the Ironman in, in Mexico and he said, dude, man, everything you're telling me, I live in Mount Shasta. I've seen all that go down. They're spraying that in California where they do all the organics. Mm-hmm. So it's a huge, it's a huge, huge, huge issue. The food, you know, that's what Kissinger said. If you control the oil, you control nations. If you control the food, you control the masses. And that's where the manipulation of what everyone's being like, I just watched one commercial today during the Army-Navy football game, and it came on, and it was for, like, Sonic. And I'm like, dude, the food that they were pushing on people to eat. Oh, I'm Sonic like, burgers? Yeah, but like it was, like, this food? foot-long yeah. hot dog with chili peppers and then chili and then, like, a shake. And, like, it's like you wonder why 
we are so sick in this country. And it's not just a physical sickness. It's, it's, it's a mental poisoning, too, what they're doing to us, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, if you watch morning television, every other commercial is a pharmaceutical <laughs> commercial. I don't think in most countries, they're not allowed work, to ha- And when they get off there. work, and when they get off work, the six o'clock news when everybody mm-hmm. uh, gets off work is all pharmaceutical companies advertising medication. So it's before they go to work, and then when they get home, they're greeted by Big Pharma. Mm-hmm. That's why they call it the idiot box, man. You know, unplug from that. Right. And, and rethink everything that you're, you know, that's what I said in my in, in Meetings with Pussies. I'm like, we went looking for WMDs in Iraq, but the, the, the sad fact of the matter is all you have to do is open up your refrigerator and your cupboards and there lies the real weapons of mass destruction. It's the stuff that, you know, you're putting into your into your family. That's that's the real devastation. That's killed millions of people as opposed to how many people died on 9-11 or through ter- acts of terrorism. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, how many people are dying from all these diseases that are foodborne? Right. There's a lot of people that I think can easily get on board with this idea of uh, the the ills of GMO foods and the predatory nature of the Monsantos of the world, et cetera. But I think when you start to talk about chemtrails, you start to lose people. Yeah. Like then they start thinking, oh, he's going to start talking about crop circles next. Like oh, that's, nah, dude. that's a little bit like, I can't, I can't go there. I can't, I can't get down with the chemtrails thing. Like that just sounds too crazy. You can't, you're saying person. No, I'm just saying oh, like yeah. a lot of people, like yeah. mainstream society is going to tell you you're, you're bonkers for talking about chemtrails. Well, if, if you, if you, uh, if you Google Ted Gunderson, FBI, Okay, Who's who that? oddly he was the head of the FBI for four states. Oddly enough, uh, he ended up passing away when he went public that the chemtrail program is actually a real program and they're testing it to manipulate the weather. They do different things. But it with seems it. like if that was if that was going on, that there would be a way for uh, you know, everybody to verify that pretty easily. Well, you know what they do? They mix it in with the jet fuel of of uh, of commercial airlines so you know and then there's another company called evergreen which is evergreen airlines is the ones who are landing at military bases and all that just google ted gunderson chemtrails on youtube that's and i will say nothing else about evergreen airline that's like the ironic uh (laughs) name of all time yeah evergreen airline is a private corporation no markings on the plane no military he said Point blank. This is not a conspiracy theorist. This is the head of the FBI who went against all of this stuff that's going on. The, um, you know, the geoengineering program of what the chemtrail thing is all about. It's not, look, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's money. It's money. It's mm-hmm. the same reason they're telling you to take all these pills. It's the same reason they, they're stopping the organic movement because they know that that is what's going to heal people both physically mentally spiritually and they want to stop they want to stop what's Mm -hmm. going on i mean i think it's easier to take that leap of faith also because we're in the age of wikileaks and you know sort of figuring out what the nsa is really doing and all these things that sounded maybe even just 10 years ago as being insane now it's like because it seems like every week there's some thing comes out where you think 
this is insane. This can't be true. And it turns out that, that it is. Well, well, we're starting to open up our eyes and realize well, well, look what they did. this matrix-like world that we're living look in. What the, it's exactly what it is. It's the Maya. It's the illusion. Maya means illusion. That's what the matrix was all dealing with. Look what they did. You think they don't test on people? Look what they did to all the blacks in South Carolina. They have finally admitted we sterilized them and gave them syphilis and all this other stuff. And if you if someone else wants to really check out, just Google how the U.S. military released viruses into the subway of New York and sprayed it off of ships and let it carry into San Francisco. And it's documented. These are actual documents. I've never heard that. that you is that- can. That is a hundred percent fact. If you go on and you do the research, you can actually. Read the military documents that have been declassified of the tests that they did to test viruses and all kinds of when stuff. Was, when did that in go the fifties? In the fifties, and they and a, and a navy ship even sprayed into the air and let it carry into San Francisco, and they tested flu virus, flu viruses, and all this stuff. And they did it in New York too. You can actually read about it. Whoa! That's the whole thing. What people don't, you know. They, when you start to talk about stuff like this, they just think like, you know, I'm not the one smoking weed, dude. I'm, right. I'm like, you I know. mean, I think a, a more accessible example and and very current is the recent uh, statin guidelines that just came out. Are you you're you're down not, with that, right? Uh, Are you up on that a little bit? I haven't. Uh, so I I'm certainly no expert on it. I just know in a general sense that these guidelines just were released that basically, in, in a nutshell, said. That essentially, regardless of whether you know you're dealing with these uh, physical ailments that would require you to be on Lipitor, that everybody should do it as a precautionary measure, and they're they're advising all these doctors to pretty much make sure that that most people, you know, most sort of people of age, middle aged, especially men, get on Lipitor, get on these statins, and. I mean that's a perfect example of follow the money and where where is the where is this intersection of of government and these regulatory bodies that are supposed to have our interest at heart and the pharmaceutical companies that stand to profit from these initiatives. Well, you know what I say? How many drugs were approved by the FDA and later recalled? How the hell did they get on the market to begin with? To me, FDA stands for forever destroying Americans. That's what I said in my book. Uh, You know, it's Uh just, it's a joke. And if you read... a book, uh, Confessions of an of a, a uh, RX drug pusher, by the woman who outed the pharmaceutical. She was a huge pharmaceutical rep, and her niece died from an interaction of a drug that never should have been on the market in the first place. And then she flipped, and she and she dropped dimes, just like Howard Lyman did, the mm-hmm. Mad Cowboy dropped all the dimes on what the beef beef industry industry. is doing. She dropped dimes on the pharmaceutical companies. And you read this stuff and you would think, how the hell could someone ever do stuff like that to people? Put them on drugs they don't need that kills them and makes them more sick and paying off doctors and sending them on vacations and cars and trips and paying off hospitals to put people on drugs. This is the... I mean, the the drug industry in this country, man, is up there with the oil barons, man. These guys, they are so powerful. And, you know, I mean, even, even the, you know, um, Monsanto and the rest of them, they, they now hired a wing of, of, uh, of Blackwater to spy on anti, 
uh, GMO uh, organizations and all stuff like that and mm-hmm. keep notes and tabs on everybody. And if you think this government isn't keeping tabs on people that are coming out as activists against all this stuff, then you obviously don't know what this what the people in this government are capable of because it's no longer a government by the people. It's a government run by corporations to uh, benefit the corporations and not the masses, mm-hmm. you know. And that's why... You know, what you do and all these people, and that's my message too. I don't put stuff out there unless I've researched it. I don't speculate, and I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Uh, I do the research, and I get the facts. I get to the facts of what's really going on. And mm-hmm. then when you start meeting people and talking to them, it's like, you know, the light, you see the light switch come on, and, and you know, they're like, you know, little things get proven all the way along. Now they're starting to say... They're coming out and saying, you know, it's starting to be put out there that because of global warming, uh, we need to manipulate the weather and control it. And the geoengineering program is important. And yes, you know, they're starting to admit that this is going on. But, you know, 10 years ago, if you would have mentioned to somebody about that, they they. You know, they think you were crazy or about genetically modified right. food or, you know, that the drug companies are looking out for us. You know, they're they have our best interest in mind. You well, know? all you have to do is look at the the anti, the uh, anti gag laws that essentially prevent anybody from going inside uh, these these food companies or the livestock. Yeah, the livestock producers and and whistleblowing on what's really going Colorado, on. Colorado, there because there's too felony. much at stake. So yeah, I mean that is a constitutional issue that gets to our rights, our First Amendment rights to to speak, and and it's a clampdown on uh, the flow of of accurate information about how our food is made. Yeah, and if you see uh, Mercy for Animals, who I love, uh, just had an undercover mm-hmm. video from right. from our Sargenta Cheese Company and what they were doing to the cows that provide the... Like, these cows had huge sores. One guy was, you know, not even... I mean, the way they were just beating, stabbing these cows and kicking them in the face... And they had infections everywhere because you're milking this animal constantly. It's, it, it's, you know, so of course they don't want you to see that. Of course they don't want you mm-hmm. to see how animals are killed and the whole process. You know, last time I was in California, man, we passed one of these CAFOs with like hundred, hundreds and thousands of cows. And oh, I yeah, was that like... one on the five when you're in dude, between Dude, holy and LA. crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It goes on forever. Dude, and it's the stench stayed in the car. We saw the lagoons. And that's part of the research uh, that I did was to really uh, update a lot of the stuff that's going on um, in terms of environmental issues. Because if you care about the environment, you know, meat is for pussies has something for everybody, man, because what those places do to the environment is, I mean, before BP ever spilt all those millions of gallons into the Gulf, there was a dead zone the size of New Jersey in the Gulf of Mexico because of CAFO, which is, it stands for <coughs> excuse me, Concentrated Animal Feeding Operation. So they have millions of gallons these these huge um lagoons of urine and stool from these animals with all this antibiotics and everything and 
they leak, they rupture, they get into the groundwater, obviously, and then they flow uh, into the Mississippi, and as well as the pesticide residue, and it flows to the Mississippi, drains in the Gulf. So guess what? All of that nitrogen, all those toxins killed everything in the Gulf. So before BP ever destroyed the Gulf, they were already destroying the Gulf, mm-hmm. all life. And, you know, the ecosystem of the ocean is so fragile, man. That's where we're really going to start running into problems. Well, we already have. I mean, I mean big time, yeah, yeah. big, big, big. Now they're testing all this fish because of the Fukushima. Fukushima. Where the hell is that in the news? Mm-hmm. Well, how come we're not hearing about that? But, you know, I got a friend in the military and he's saying like, you know, dude, this is a real thing, man. The Navy is out there testing those waters. There is radiation on its way to California big time. Mm. So nobody talks about it. It's like out of sight, out of mind. Nobody's talking about all this stuff that's going down because who, you know, the, the nuclear, uh, you know, companies and all of this stuff, has so much power and if everybody was flipping on nukes like they did remember no nukes movement and Mm -hmm. stuff you you know like if everybody started doing that now they'd be trying to shut nuclear plants down you know all over the planet and that's where a lot of the energy of these countries is coming from Mm -hmm. so there's there's all this doom and gloom right where you know we're talking about all this really tragic stuff and it seems like well, what are you supposed to do? Where's the hope? I mean, where, where's, the, where's the solution? And particularly when you, you, know, you work with a lot of people that are of a lower socioeconomic class and you're pushing this organic message, and I would imagine the response is like, I can't, I can't afford organic. Right? Where do I get organic? I don't even know where to begin. I mean, where's the path to resolving this on an individual level well you know what brothers that you know there's brothers in the ghettos now urban farming and Mm -hmm. these are there's you know you can go on uh on facebook these guys all have pages and they're going to the hood man to all these you know burnt out properties in in detroit and everything there's that great ted talk of the guy who's doing it in los angeles i forget his name yeah i forget his name too but then there's another brother that's in uh Forget where he is, but he's going into these neighborhoods and he's showing people how to grow their own organic food and build greenhouses and do all this stuff. So it's like they're just wanting to make you think that it's un- it's an unattainable thing to do, mm-hmm. but it's not. It, it you know you start your co-ops, you get all you know, you get all you, you get your stuff going. You know you you grow these urban gardens, rooftop gardening, and, and people's doing that in New York City now. Organic. Mm-hmm. I actually met the guy I went to do the healthy school lunch program with the Candle Seventy Nine people who, mm-hmm. you know, educate uh, lower income people throughout the city on eating properly and and health and education and i met this guy and he's going around to all these places and he shows them how to grow organic rooftop gardens man and these people are growing like all these vegetables and like it's it's incredible right the amount of space that is needed to do that it's it's just everything comes down it's not 
it, what it comes down to is having access, more importantly than anything else, is access to the knowledge. And there's these amazing people out there that are educating people on how to do things on a grassroots level. And that's really what's needed more than anything. Where there's a will, there's a way. But mm-hmm. to even get that will... You know, you have to have that seed of knowledge planted within you. That's the nature of the mind, thinking, feeling, willing. You know, first you think about it, then you're willing to do it, then you do it. But if you don't have that that thought planted in your head that this could be done, it doesn't even come to mind. You just go eat, buy a bag of McDonald's for $2. Right. The will, the willingness has to follow the access to information. I mean, will, I always talk about willingness because you can't, you've got to have the willingness. But before that even comes into play... There has to be an ability to, to act on that willingness or access to the foods or the knowledge or the information. Man, so, the seed yeah, needs like to be planted, man, right. and, and 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 it's it's a metaphor, you know, in both senses of, of, of the word of the, you know, of that thought because it's like we're dealing with seeds, we're dealing mm-hmm. with people trying to control seeds, and it's also the seed of thought of wisdom being planted, and that's why. You know, I try to always pick the brains of like these people who have this knowledge because my whole thing has always been like breaking it down to street level. I get these brilliant minds telling me stuff, and then I try to break it down and be like, "So when you run into a kid who's who's going to McDonald's where he can eat a full meal for two bucks or whatever on a daily basis, you know, farm subsidized products that are super cheap." How do you connect with that person to get them to think about it a little bit differently or take a different action? Yeah, well, what I'll say, you know, to that person is like you have to look long term. You can't just always be in the now. You have to think of what this food that you're eating and consuming now, the effect that it's going to have in years. But that's like telling somebody who's just trying to make it through the day that they got to open up a savings account and put money away. You know, it's like acting in your long-term interest, that's a tricky thing with people. Well, you know what it is too? I I also point them to an alternative. It would be better for them to go get a $2.99 hummus sandwich with lettuce and tomato. And those places are all over the place too. There's cheap eats too in the city. It's not always like, you know five-star dining that these kids could never afford but you know one of the great things is there's um there's a website plant-based on a budget mm-hmm. you know there's all this information coming out and the problem is when people buy all this package stuff and all this it it is expensive but the more you can buy bulk and shop for the whole family and take the money that you would be spending on medications mm-hmm. to eat organic you can eat like a king mm-hmm. you know if you saw if you saw um uh food inc it's like the guy sitting there oh i can't eat like this and then he's spending by himself 300 dollars $400 a month on medications. His son is pre-type 2 diabetes. He's right. going to be needing medication. The family's spending $500,000 a month on medication. Right. You know, so let's hold up. It's not. It's about the quality of life as well because the dude couldn't even walk up a damn flight of stairs from all the sickness and joint pains. He has to take this and that and... If you just change what you're eating, then you don't even need those medications and you can take all the money that you're utilizing and your time of going to doctors and this and that. I mean, mm-hmm. all of that adds up. It's you have to 
really show people. I mean, kids, come on, man. You know, when I was a kid, what the hell was I doing? I was out of my, I was out of my fucking mind, man. But uh, you know, kids um, these days, what I find, and I have to tell you that I don't agree with that a hundred percent that statement because with the internet and everything, it, it is the information superhighway, and there's a lot of kids that are waking up to what's going on, mm-hmm. and like, there's more, I think that the kids. <coughs> Well, the kids see the generation that's older than them, and, and they don't want to be that. They just see a lot of sick, fat people. And, and more and more people going, hey, man, I'm vegan, I'm plant-based. I just I just was coming up here, and this these three young girls were walking on the subway behind me, I swear to God, and one of them goes, oh, yeah, man, I'm vegetarian now. I haven't even eaten any meat or anything in like three months. And they're like, when did that? Why'd you do that? And mm-hmm. I'm like tuning in on this conversation. It's becoming as more and more down-to-earth people who really know and try to help people out of compassion and the message getting out these super athletes now and like yourself you know voted one of the you know 25 fittest men in the planet like you know and more and more people that are in the know i mean say what you want about jay-z or whatever but here's the point man the fact that he's doing he went to Tile's Restaurant, Crossroads. Right. The fact that he's trying to do it, then all the vegans are like, she's wearing fucking fur. Like, Yeah, that I'm was like, a thing. So so for people who don't know, Jay-Z and Beyonce announced like a week and a half ago, hey, we're going to try eating a plant-based diet for 22 days, right? And, and he even said, like, I'm not calling it vegan. I prefer plant-based. plant-based. And, uh, and immediately there was like this all sorts of criticism because – they're wearing animal products for their clothes, right? And also, oh, why just 22 days? And and this is like sort of gang rape of these people. And I'm sitting there going, these are two of the most culturally influential people on the planet. And just by them making a simple statement can change millions of people's minds or open them up to a new way of doing things. Like, let's celebrate this, meet people where they're at. They're just starting this. They're going to go on their own journey with it. Maybe they'll abandon it in 22 days. I don't know. Or maybe they'll keep going. And then maybe a year from now, they'll say, hey, you know what? Like, this fur kind of stuff is messed up. Like, maybe we should take a look at that, too. And, you know, why am I endorsing Pepsi? Maybe I should think about that, too. But... You can't expect people to be 100% and and meet with your expectations perfectly on day one. Yeah, man. Give people space. Let people, you know. The fact is, if every, this is what I said. If everybody on the planet did what he's doing right now for twenty for, for 22 days, we could wipe out all the hunger on the planet. We can feed everybody. We would save the environment. We would save millions of animals that are being tortured for food. So what's the bad thing about that? And right. like you said, he's... You know, he's an influential cat, man. I know dudes that trained him, and and he's cool. He's down to earth. Like, let the dude do his thing. You know, I know people that also worked with Beyonce, and she's a sweetheart. And it's like, you know, all these people, oh, they're, they're you know, you know, for, for uh, the New World Order, and they hang out with Obama and whatever the hell. It's like, I look at it like it's a positive thing, man. You know, mm-hmm. and you didn't have instead to do of it. instead of throwing water on the spark, why don't you fan the spark? Why don't you stop being an asshole, vegan, or whatever the hell you you call yourself, and and let these people d- do their thing? And he's blogging about all these amazing restaurants he's right. going to. 
Yeah, he went to Cafe Gratitude. Cafe he went Gratitude. To Crossroads. He, crossroads. Yeah. You know, he's going to probably come to Candle 79 sure when he, he comes will, back. Yeah. To, you know, and it's like, dude, like, that's why I just want to, like, smack half of these people that just open their mouth. Like, everybody, you know, with this internet thing, it's like, I come from the school of, like, you pop shit, you get smacked. You know, mm-hmm. like it, now it's this whole thing where anybody could say anything they want because they're sitting behind a keyboard and they come out of their face all wrong. And I'm like, it de- it's developed this whole kind of mentality where it's just a bunch of haters, man. And I'm like, to me, when I heard the whole, because I'm doing a show for Converse and everyone, so these vegans all write me, they sell animal products. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, I play huge festivals where they sell hot dogs. It's what I do. Right. But will I to, be we wearing to, leather? No. We have to live in the world. You know, it's like you cannot. I mean, the truth of the matter is, if you want to look at it, take a step back and really look at it. Uh, we all pay taxes, and where does that tax money go? So we're all complicit in this system that is perpetrating you know, policies, et cetera, that we may not agree with, but we have to live and breathe in our culture. So exactly. we have to do the best that we can, and we should be supporting anybody who decides they're going to try something that uh, might have a positive impact. Well, just like Nike, uh, a few years ago, they sponsored me doing this Urban Cro-Mag Nike training. They let me use their space. They gave me, they said they wanted to pay me. I said, no, you know what you do? You give me that $400 twice a month. And when I do my training program, I'm going to buy all superfoods. I'm going to bring all my stuff and we're going to make people food. We're going to, I'm going to have all my expert trainers. Brendan came in, my friend who's special forces came in, uh, jujitsu guys came in, Iron Man came in all different kinds of people training people. There was no charge. It was free. Nike let us use their space. And then we fed people uh, organic plant-based meals. And I had guys like Dr. Bishi come in and educate people on nutrition. So it was a whole two-phase thing. First we trained, then we learned about proper nutrition. But I had all these detractors on the internet saying, how dare you do anything with Nike? And Mm -hmm. I'm like, dude, I took their money and I used it for good things. What's wrong with you? Like, Mm -hmm. like, you know, get the stick out of your ass. Well, and most of those people are, they're not doing anything. They're sitting at home. And I volunteered you know? my time. <laughs> yeah, yeah so. you're sitting on your ass and these people are out there doing things and you're going to criticize them, you know? I mean, it's like, look at my friend Tal Ronan because he opened up a restaurant with the CEO of McDonald's, Love Your Food Every Day, Life Kitchen, and half of it is completely plant-based right. and whatever. The other half that that guy runs, it, they, sell, they sell meat, whatever, they, what they consider ec- ec- you know, green meat or whatever the fuck. But guess right, what? The dude's bugging out because Tal's menu is outselling his now. So, and, and what do the vegans call him? The Ronald McDonald of the, of the, of the vegan world. That's why Tal hates all these people. That's mm-hmm. why these people are getting such bad names and reps and ruffle every they ruffle everyone's feathers wrong. And I just tell them to shut up. Like, and Tal, Tal is, the, for people who don't know, he's the head chef at a restaurant called Crossroads in Los Angeles that is now like the 
hottest restaurant I in was LA. In not there. just vegan, not forget vegan, non-vegan, whatever. Like that's the place. Leonardo DiCaprio was behind yeah. me. Barbara Streisand, like everybody's eating. Oprah there. just went there. Yeah, yeah, Oprah was there. Well, he was Oprah's chef. Uh-huh. Ellen DeGeneres. He wrote the book, a beautiful book called uh, "The Conscious Cook." And um, Tal's just an amazing dude. He's been. He's from the hardcore punk rock scene too. People don't know that. Like he used to come see the Bad Brains and the Crow Mags in the early '80s and all that stuff. But yeah, so people people want to criticize him. It's 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 you know it's like all these crows, man, and and crows assemble where the garbage is, you know. And that's what I call these people. They're just fucking crow mentality people. And I'm like, the same people criticized Rory Freeman, Skinny Bitch, my book, Meetings for Pussies, or or whatever. They just sit there and they just throw all this you know, dirt out against people that are trying to do things to help people and help mm-hmm. the environment and help the animals. And I just don't have nothing really to do with those people, man. I would rather chill with regular people and, and educate them. Just like last night, we was chilling with Mishka and he's like, man, you know, and then he wrote me today, I'm going to write him back. But, you know, I, I just think like, you know, it, it's up to all of us to be cool to, to everybody that's trying to make change in the world and, and, and fan the spark instead of throwing water on it, you know? There is so much health information out there. It can feel overwhelming and leave even the most well-intentioned confused about what's what and who to trust. Well, the first person that I call when I'm seeking clarity is my friend, and nutrition expert Simon Hill, host of the fantastic podcast, The Proof. Each week, Simon matches wits with brilliant scientists, translating their evidence-based insights into actionable tools for better well-being. Subscribe to The Proof, available wherever you get your podcasts, and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. I'm super proud to announce my next venture, Voicing Change Media. This beautiful consortium of thinkers, storytellers, artists, and visionaries all committed to fostering meaningful exchanges and sharing thought-provoking content. Voicing Change Media will feature shows like The Proof with Simon Hill, Soul Boom with Rain Wilson, Mentor Buffet with Alexi Pappas, Feel Better Live More with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, and The Conversation with Amanda Decadene. You can explore this network and all its offerings at voicingchange.media. The solution lies in in, uh, meeting people where they're at and respecting them and uh, understanding that while certain people are fighting over, you know, should you eat two nuts or four nuts and what's too much, that most people are really sick and eating at McDonald's and obese and diabetes. I mean, the statistics are unbelievable. One out of every two Americans is going to suffer from heart disease. By 2030, 50% of Americans are going to be diabetic or pre-diabetic. The That's obesity I, rates yeah. are through the roof. And and you've got to like step back and see the big picture and realize that if you want to change people, you've got to like be on their wavelength and create a welcome mat that is attractive for well, people to come up, to come over and explore something that's out of their comfort zone. I mean, that's what my beef is with this part in the pun with this dude Dorian Ryder. It's like all he ever does is criticize everybody. I'm like, yo, 
And, you know, he criticized mm-hmm. Fred Bishi. He criticizes everybody. Now, here's somebody who's healed people for the last 60 years. He's been a raw foods doctor, a PhD in nutritional science. Mm-hmm. This guy gets on there and starts slagging everybody. He just, I mean, mo- I, I, he's certainly, a, yeah, he's a controversial figure and he has his, he has his detractors and, and he has his fans and he kind of fulfills his little corner of the whole thing but there's always a lot of drama swirling around it yeah, you dude, know? and like, uh and and that's i think a dude that, who needs to pick up like uh a yoga book or a bhagavad gita or something it's like dude. well that leads me into the next kind of thing that i want to talk about which is sort of taking you know launch the launch pad out of food in the, into expanding consciousness and what that's all about because i think for a lot of people that's foreign they want to lose weight they can understand that but the idea of whether it's spirituality or personal growth these become like elusive subjects that you know are slippery and and also kind of freak people out a little bit well you know talking with your friend uh mishka last night and telling him you know about all the war stories about being on the streets of new york it's like uh, you know, everyone who knows my story is like, how the, how the hell is this dude still alive? I mean, I got mm-hmm. to cover the Village Voice, but the dude first, that's when uh, A Million Little Pieces and these bogus memoirs came out that the guy made all the stuff up and mm-hmm. all these bogus memoirs started coming out. And at that point, my book dropped in 2007. So the dude, you know, was like, there's no way you did all this stuff in this book and you're still alive. Right, because the, the publishing industry was smarting because James Fry's book, A Million yeah. Little Pieces, which was a, a addiction and, and recovery. It. Yeah, it was an Oprah Book Club of the Month book, and it was a huge book. And uh, it was essentially an addiction and recovery story, but it turned out that he had Fraud. fabricated or sort of exaggerated yeah. a lot of these episodes. And, and, uh, and then anybody who wanted to come out with kind of a tell-all memoir or somebody who had a, a, you know, a colorful, dicey past couldn't get those books published because the publishing industry was too afraid of getting mud on its face after that. Right. So my book came out and then when the dude checked all the sources that I gave, I'm like, you know, everything in this book could be... got a footnote. Yeah, yeah, man. He... he, uh, Yeah, but your footnotes are like... Talk to my homie, so and so. He sits on the on the stoop at the corner. <laughs> yeah, but Avenue no, it was a. like my mom's, you know, verifying that uh-huh. we grew up in these abusive foster homes, and being on the streets and getting locked up and all the shit I was charged with and the craziness and being shot, and 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 stabbed in lockup and everything else. And it's like, you know, until I really started getting into the philosophy of life. It, the real change just to become, I mean, I would have just been somebody that eats vegetables that still robs people. It, it had to mm-hmm. be, a, you know, right. it had to be a whole change in, in consciousness. And it started with the bad brains, you know, because they were very mystical kind of, you know, they were like sadhus, man, especially right. the singer HR. And Yeah, explain and, if somebody didn't listen to the other episode where we talked who the bad brains are and, and that well, influence on you. Yeah, I mean, I, I got out of lockup. I grew up in foster homes. I was on the streets uh, selling, you know, th- this is what this TV show is basically hypothetically had I became 24 and never changed my ways, where would I be? Right, the pilot that you're writing. Right, yeah. and 
So I, I did time. I was in Spofford. I was upstate in Lincolndale, Lincoln Hall, which, you know, is no place a white boy wants to be. But, I, you know, I struggled through everything, made it, got out, went into the Navy, uh, and ended up meeting the Bad Brains in Norfolk, Virginia, who were this Rastafarian, just starting to become Rastafarian uh, punks. And... um just blew me away, man. And I and then I had this whole philosophical talk with the singer, and you know my naval career. Uh, I was selling drugs. I I was out of my fucking mind. I was taking pills. I mean, mm-hmm. just doing crazy shit. I mean, they thought they had they wanted to put me on medication and had me seeing a sh- you know trying to get me to see a shrink and all kinds of stuff. Um, because I never dealt with the issues of stuff that happened to me as a kid. So, I, you know, and then meeting and then, well, sorry, and then meeting HR, it was like, it just, like, first of all, he could have been telling me to worship the Pillsbury Doughboy and I would have done it because of the power of the band. That's the first mm-hmm. thing. That's why I tell people, if you have some type of influence, you know, people look up to you, you need to kind of, you know, direct people in the right way because that's he basically they saved my life being around those those people and you know luckily they weren't into drugs they weren't into negative things they were into positive things so when I met him at the Taj Mahal in Norfolk in 1980 that I, I mean they just blew me away and mm-hmm. I had to find out what's these guys into right and then I just went back you know after the show and talked with them and. And it was this whole philosophical discussion uh, about spirituality and all this stuff. And then I got to meet them later. And then the sound man was into all these, you know, raw foods, but giving me all these philosophy books. And I got a job at a health food store. So it was like like a domino effect, man. And that's what happens when you meet people who are on the positive path. Like, I always tell people, I'm like, dude, take that first step. You're going to see amazing things start coming your way. The con- You know, the universe, God, whatever, Krishna, responds to you in a way when you take those steps and, and, and you know, remove stumbling blocks and mm-hmm. puts amazing people in your life that are going to further your spiritual journey along. And I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a spiritual search, which each one of us, you know, has to do. That's that's what life's about, that's man. It's not for. about, yeah. you know, what is it? You know, birth, death, disease, old age, you know. You know, it's like there's more to life than that. And so I went on my whole spiritual journey. I lived as a monk for a few years and, you know, but it was this whole education what really saved my life and uh you know my mother even tells people if you would have known what this guy was like you know in 1978 and 79 Mm -hmm. and dealing with everything like the person that he's become and it's just because you know if you take an iron rod and you put it in the fire it takes on all the qualities of the fire heat light all of that so i just put myself in that fire of other people who were in that whole spiritual place in their life and those qualities and reading Prabhupada's books and all that and and not just reading it but actually applying it to my life because 
you know, he always said we don't want armchair philosophers. So mm-hmm. if I, it's just like if I read something about Iron Man or training or whatever, or my instructor gives me something and it's like, okay, here's what you have to do, trigger point therapy, do the, and I don't do it. I just read it. What's the value of like, I, you know, what is that? I can just say, oh, yeah, I know about it, but I don't do it. Mm-hmm. Like that's the worst to know mm-hmm. about and not act on it. So yeah, it's like uh, self knowledge will avail you nothing. Like you can get all the information in the world, but until you start applying that to your life, of what value is it? Right, and and and, and I just have to tell people like when they ask me, I'm like, look, I don't, I just only know my own experience, and if you get something out of it, I never preach to people. They they always say to me, man, oh, you got any books on like philosophy or the meditation you do or whatever? And then it's like, you know, a person has to be willing uh, to grow spiritually. It's it's not something you want to try to cram down someone's throat. That's the problem with religion, you know, with the Bible thumpers. And it's like, you know, all these. Well, I think the thing is, is that is is that uh, you know, a lot of people say, "Well, I'm not, you know, I'm not into spirituality. I'm not a spiritual person." And 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 <laughs> my response to that is like, "I got news for you, man. You're you're a spiritual cat. You are, whether you like it or not. You're living a spiritual experience. It's just a question of whether you want to uh, have a greater facility for understanding that or accessing that. And you had said a minute earlier, you know, when you sort of begin to explore this doors open and people come into your life and i've experienced that a million times over it doesn't make any logical sense at all but it's this idea of being uh uh you know you we were talking i was talking about this with mishka in the podcast yesterday you know you are you're like a radio antenna and you're putting out a frequency you know and 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 that frequency will attract other like-minded frequencies. You know, water rises Absolutely. to its own level. And when you're on the street and you're, you know, dealing drugs and getting in fights, then you're going to attract a certain crowd around you. And when you start reading these books and start behaving differently, then that's a different signal that you're putting out. And that will attract different people and lead you in a different direction that you can't predict. Right. It's an untold story. But those breadcrumbs will take you on a path that you know will change your life. Well, that's why I wrote, I, I, I entitled the book The Evolution of a Cro-Magnon because it's like, you know... I, it was I, an overnight thing. It was, it was an evolution that's actually still, still going on because... Well, that journey's never over. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I mean, whatever you know, state of consciousness one remembers at the time of death to that state he'll attain even in his next life. So there's no loss or diminution on the path, you know, of consciousness. So that's why it's so important, you know, to, to, you know, grow spiritually. And even since the last time I talked to you, I'll just tell you one story about this guy, you know, that I was talking about last night, uh, my friend Kevin McQuaid. And Kevin McQuaid, um, he about seven or eight years ago he had stomach cancer had no way to pay for it so he robbed seven banks in new Mm -hmm. york city passed a note uh saying i don't want to hurt anybody i need this for my surgery but i have a gun and i don't want to hurt anybody but just give me the money Mm-hmm. No, ma- no mask either. No right? mask, no nothing, dude. The guy was all over the <laughs> he's news. Got this balls. dude, he's got fucking balls of steel. What, His year, was, what year was this? This was about seven, eight years ago. His uh-huh. father was, you know, kind of disowned him. His father was an Irish mobster, Hell's Kitchen kind of guy. 
and Kevin was a steel <coughs> steel union guy, and this thing happened to him. He started drinking. He lost his job, lost his coverage, and got sick. And that's the way he decided I'm gonna pay for my surgery. So guess what? St. Patty's Day, uh, he goes and robs a bank, and they put a dye pack in the money bag. Mm-hmm. And it explodes on him, and he's got all this red dye all over him. <laughs> Had and he already been robbing banks, or was that the yeah, first Yeah, he was already he robbing like, banks, right, and yeah. he was on the news and everything. Was so, he getting, what, like, these are, like, small scores or just over-the-counter uh, cash? Yeah, or? like thousands, man, like, you know. Right, yeah. he's not, like, going into the vault or anything. No, 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 just, just like, just you know. smash get, and grab, like, kind of? Like, yeah, yeah, pass the note right. to tell her, give me all the bills right, in your right. tray type thing. Uh-huh. So they put a dye pack. <laughs> so he's on the train, and his everything. And he starts drinking, and all his whole clothes and everything are fucking covered in dye. Uh-huh. So the cops came over to give him a summons for drinking, and they're like, "What's that stuff all over you?" And he's like, "Oh, yeah." So and it turns he out has stomach cancer, and he's drinking stomach cancer, yeah. drinking. So he ended up getting locked up, and they gave him seven years, and uh, they removed his totally removed his stomach. They. I have they have a way of creating another stomach out of something and you I don't know what the hell they did but anyway cured his cancer they took out his whole stomach and all this stuff so he goes back onto the streets and he was But he was in jail for how long yeah, was I think he, in he jail, did man? like 5 6 years out of that whole sentence and then uh mitigating circumstances you know he never had a record he 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 did it to pay for his cancer mm-hmm. surgery whatever but he was a fan of Crow Mags, my band, and I've seen him over the years. He knew all all the people on the scene. So then, when he got out of jail, he just went onto the streets and, uh, and and just total alcoholic. I mean, pissing himself, laying in the street. And and I run the soup kitchen that does the plant based meals for the homeless. So he was. I would. He wouldn't even come to the park. I would have to go to this park on Second Avenue, and I would bring him hot food and mm-hmm. and like feed him and say and talk to him and. And he kept having his ups and downs, like, oh, I just got out of the program. And then like, this went on for like four or five years. But then last year, uh, he just hit rock bottom. And basically, he even said, I, I blanked, I blacked out for seven months of my life. I can't remember anything. And, uh, you know, I kept telling him about, dude, man, you got to give, read these books on philosophy. You got to try to, you know, try to eat some good food. You know, you got to you got to break out of this. Then the last time I seen him, I was like, you know, I I couldn't even talk to him cuz you know, he's a good guy, man. That's the whole thing. And, and I just had to like not even say nothing to him cuz he was he was within weeks of dying. You could just see it. And uh he just disappeared and then I didn't see him for months and months and months. Well, right bef- right uh after Thanksgiving um last year, I'm, I walk into Angelica's kitchen, which is this organic plant vegan restaurant, and he's sitting at the table completely cleaned up, like this big smile on his face, and he's like, hey, man, I've been clean and sober and, um, and, and, and vegan for four months now, uh-huh. man, and it was like, like I just got choked up because I was like, yo, if I, he's like, yo, everything you told me and he's one of the people that we interviewed for this, you know, reality show that they're trying to pitch for me. But right. his story is so incredible. And, uh, 
you know, he was there and he cleaned up. He goes, I went to my father's house, which I don't even remember. And his father kind of disowned him, but his father took him in because his father's older now too. And, mm-hmm. you know, he was a gangster and, uh, you know, he guess wants to do something good before he leaves the world. So he took care of his son and he, he just, after he woke up after like two weeks of sleeping every day, he was like, I don't want to eat meat. I need to eat mm-hmm. soups and salads and and then, you know, he came down basically and found me at Angelica Kitchen. And I walk in and he's sitting there. It's it's back to the theme of today's podcast, which is the seed, you know. Yeah, Whether man. it's the seed of Monsanto or the seed of the food that you're eating or the seed of consciousness and the seed that you planted in that guy without holding on to an expectation of whether he would grab onto that lifeline or not. You know what I mean? Like you put the message out and then you move on to the next guy and then it comes full circle and here it is. That's what, you know, we are like those farmers. uh, uh, Like, you know, we're we're planting seeds even with the podcast or whatever or just helping people out. That's the real compassion because if we don't help our fellow man, you know, I always try to reach out and help people because those people are touchstones towards other people. That guy, Kevin, is out there now, and people just can't even believe the change that's come over him. And I actually had him over. It was his one-year sobriety, vegan, mm-hmm. whatever, uh, anniversary this Thanksgiving, and I had him come over to the house. And, you know, he had, you know, nowhere to go because his father went to some turkey dinner thing and he didn't want to go there so i invited him over but like when people see the change that that guy's made they're like what the hell did what did you do like how Mm. you know what and that's that's really what it's all about you you provided the information and when the willingness finally kicked in that's where the magic happens yeah the part that i love best though that you didn't talk about was because he doesn't have a stomach he has to eat constantly because he can only absorb like a small fraction of yeah. the food that that passes through his intestinal tract. I've never tracks, seen anybody so he just eat. eats like all and day. He's like, hey, Johnny, like you know, he talks like this. I'll imitate him for a minute. I get a phone call. He's like, yeah, hey, it's it's Kevin McQuaid here. I got uh, I got beans and I got greens on top of that. Now, Doctor Bishi says that I'm supposed to sequence my food, right? So I should eat my greens first because they'll go through my pseudo stomach. I'll absorb that. And then I put the beans on (laughs) so he's like becoming like this like he's all super into it yeah but he'll sit there and eat for three hours i had him over my house i'm like motherfucker you're like you're like it's like a bartender like yo you're cut off dude like i wanted some leftovers for people sitting on the toilet like all day yeah, like I'll eat with him and he'll go to the bathroom like four times. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Dude. His grocery bill must be huge. Yeah. Well, so does he have a job now? Yeah, like, man. He, he got his union job back, steel worker. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, he lives with his pops, is helping him out. And his pops wouldn't give him money in the beginning because he didn't want him to drink. But what he did was he gave him his credit card for the supermarket and Kevin would go there and buy uh, organic food. And I, I want to have that guy on the podcast. Yeah, he uh, he called. I called him up because somebody called me from a weird number. I'm like, yeah, uh, somebody called me from this number. He's like, who's who's this? He's like, this. He's like, who's this? And I'm like, I don't know. You tell me. You call mine. He's like, I didn't call you. Uh, who is <laughs> Is this John from downtown? And he's this old Irish, like, uh-huh. you can just tell, man. And I was like, yeah. He's like, this is Kevin's father. 
I just want to take a minute to really thank you for what you did to my for my son, you and all your friends, because we always buy like I I bought that dude dinner like for two months straight. My friend Arthur, the drummer from the Misfits, Googie buys him. You know the fact that this dude is still alive is confirmation that anybody. I always say if I could change, anybody can change. But Kevin is a prime example of. You know, you have to reach out and try to help people, man, because like you said, everybody's spiritual. And that's, I told Kevin, I kept saying, man, you're an addict. So listen, he's like, yeah, the the NA is not my thing. Like, you know, so what is he Mm -hmm. into? He's into reading the Prabhupada's books. He'll go chant with the devotees. He'll go sit in a yoga class and just meditate. So he's finding, you know, somebody who came from such a dark place like that was able to find his spiritual path because... You know, people reached out to him, and that's what the important... You don't know who these people are. You you can't look into their souls and know mm-hmm. what level of conscious, consciousness they've attained previous lives or whatever. And it's like, that's why you just have to always, you know, try to help people. That's been my thing, you know, to have... You know, I've met so many amazing people in the last, you know, 30-something years I've been doing this, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's what I say. It's not like I created the knowledge. I don't take credit for it. What I really am is the mailman. I'm just delivering the mail. But it's all about paying it forward. If you get gifts in life, it's you have to pay that forward. You have a responsibility to turn around and... If if you're helped, you need to go help other people. Right. And the big secret or not so secret thing is that it's truly the 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 roadmap to happiness. If you want to be a happy, fulfilled human being, get out of yourself and your small life and your problems and just help up help other people that are less fortunate that you, than you. You know, Absolutely. it doesn't take very much, and, and it, it feels will shift. Nothing man. will shift your consciousness or how you feel about yourself when you get out of yourself and start helping other people. And I'm going to tell you something else, man. Everyone's so quick. Oh yeah, everybody that's homeless is a fucking drug addict, and that's just so not true. I mean, there's dudes who went to Iraq and fought for this country that I feed on the homeless line. There's a guy who's... The veteran problem is out of control. uh, uh, Yeah, and don't even get me started with that. Big shout out to my man, uh, POW MMA Todd Vance in San Diego, California, who now got yoga certified and he's getting into all this metaphysical stuff and teaches them mixed martial arts to help the veterans with PTSD and he does it. He was San Diego's man of the year Amazing guy, Todd Vance. But, uh, you know, I meet so many different kinds of people because I've been out feeding the homeless since 82 in Mm -hmm. Tompkins Square Park. And everybody thinks, oh, they're all on drugs. It's just not the case, man. There's dudes running around nowadays that are veterans. They, the PTSD. It happened to my nephew. He did four tours with the Marines and and was homeless and, and nobody knows where he went. And, you know, thank God somebody reached out to him. But another person... You know, I met he was living under the FDR and his wife and kids died in a car crash. And he was like a big time Wall Street guy and he lost everything. So nothing Mm. mattered to him anymore. But just the fact that I would sit there and talk 10 to 15 minutes with him and, and, you know, talk to him about life and spirituality and, 
you know, for the soul is never de- birth nor death, nor having one's been, does it ever cease to exist? And that happened for a reason, you know, everything happens, you know, for a reason. We may not understand what it is, but, you know, you, you know, you have, this is going to make you stronger or it's going to break you completely. And then like over the years, I've saw, I saw the dude get his, get his trip back together. Mm. And that's what it's all about, man, because somebody reached out to me when I was in a dark place selling drugs. Like, I sold the Bad Brains manager acid and quaaludes that night that I met them, and I was out of my mind, you know? Mm -hmm. And dude just reached out and was like, yo, check this out. This is a... It, we have to rewire our brains because we're, we're, we've been wired for materialism and selfishness and all these bad qualities that exist in the material world and society these days. And we have to rewire that, you know, to have compassion, to, you know, have attributes that, you know, are out there doing good towards other people instead of like I, me, mine, that whole consciousness, mm-hmm. the I Ching and all what it talks about, you know. And and I mean, you know, I mean, I I, I made, I had a shitload of money saved, you know, back when I opened up the yoga center, and and uh, you know, I spent my life savings opening up this yoga center that educated people mm-hmm. on St. Mark's, and we fed people, and you know, and my mother, you know, she's older, so she was, so she knows where I came from. I had nothing. You know, even in the foster homes, we had to steal to eat. They were feeding us Oreo spit sandwiches. So she knows where I came from. And she's like, you have to make sure my, you know, my mother was like, you have to make sure that you put away for yourself. And I can't, you know, you could own a house for what you spent building that place and maintaining it for 10 years. And I'm like, ma, the relationships and the friendships and the love and all the people I helped opening up that place, I would never trade that for anything Mm -hmm. because that is so rich and fulfilling uh, to be able to help all those people. And I've seen people come in there hooked on drugs and within... You know, a year they're they're meditating and they've gone plant based and it's like all these amazing, uh, you know, that's what they said about the whole process. Prabhupada brought over was that he built the house for the whole world to live, and you would see people of all walks of life coming into that yoga center and like gelling and getting along and having a common goal, which was, you know, to awaken consciousness and, you know. And now that's what I'm trying to do with this next whole round of of monetary gain that's coming. I want to open up uh, a, another place, a mm-hmm. bigger place, and 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 uh, you know facilitate more people uh, becoming aware and and getting healthy, both physically, mentally, spiritually. You know, it's, mm-hmm. there's nothing more important. No. That's how I get uh, my satisfaction in life. Is you know. Trying being to help service. other people. Yeah, yeah that's what it's about, man. <laughs> I mean, I think that, you know, I'm 47 now. You're, you're 52, 51. 51. So, um, you know, the older I get, the more commonplace it, it becomes to encounter people in our age bracket who are living lives of, you know, desperation, really, yeah. and, and are searching for a solution to that, but don't know how to access that. They don't know because we've been living a life of being told that, 
if you do this, you'll get happy. If you, you know, go lease the new car and we're inundated with all these messages and marketing messages, buy this and you'll be happy. And people are starting to understand and realize that that's not the solution. And really for me, and I know for you, it's a full time, you've committed your life and then some to this idea of being service and, and, and you've become a fulfilled, happy person. In contrast, at the same time, people will say constantly, you know, well, that's great, but, you know, most people don't change or, you know, people don't really want to change. That's and so true. what is, you know, disabuse me of that, that notion? And what is it that you've seen or experienced that people might not realize um, that is an effective catalyst for people changing their lives? What I mean, I, I just have to relate to my own experience and where I came from. You know, like I said, mm -hmm. you would cross the street if you saw me in the early 80s and 70s. And how did I change? I associated with people who were spiritually minded, who were grounded. They rewired me. They rewired my way of thinking. And we've become so... Uh, kind of living in these cocoon worlds now, like, you know, like the communication aspect with this whole, you just see people walking down the streets and it's like they're texting. It's it, We're losing that communication mm -hmm. aspect amongst, that's why I never do that. I walk down the street, I look people right in the eye, hey man, what's up, hey, you know, like today too, same thing. And I really say that, you know, if people get a chance to associate with people who are, you know, spirit, spiritually minded or into all these esoteric things and philosophy and, and good eating, it's like, you know, people used to think, you know, devotees that are out there chanting were brainwashed because they were happy. No, that's, we're supposed to be happy. We're not supposed to be miserable with 2.2 children and two cars leading quiet lives of desperation, waiting for death to knock on the door in Long Island. That's not what human life is meant for self-realization. That's the first book that changed my life. I read Prabhupada's Science of Self-Realization. And it was, I had to look not outside of myself and stop blaming, you know, pl doing the blame game. Mm -hmm. Every Everything that's happened to me is because of what other people did to me. That's what I did for a long time, and that's why I was violent. That's why I was using drugs. I had to turn it in and say, okay, what happened, happened, but was am I going to let that ruin the rest of my life? No, I mm -hmm. want to change. And the only way I was even inspired to do that, it's like those seeds of thought that were planted by Bad Brains, by JW, by all these, you know, going to integral yoga in 1980, 81, and meeting Swami Satchinananda, and then... Mm -hmm you know, the Hare Krishna devotees or whatever, just being around these people doing yoga. And, you know, it it was just this whole community of like deeper thinkers. And it really is about rewiring the way that we've been wired by society. And that's why I don't care about, you know, all this reality TV stuff and all this other nonsense that's saying, this person said that. And, well, you know, it's not going to change how West you live your life. And, and yeah, it's like, right. It's like, dude, who cares? Mm -hmm. Why don't, uh, you know, why is that news? Like, why are you dumbing down the masses? Because I think 
to a large degree, when people are ignorant of truth, they can be manipulated. That's how, that's just how I feel, mm-hmm. and I've seen it happen. You know, nobody wants free thinkers. I, 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 and I forget which uh, dictator, but it was during the Roman times, and he his famous quote was when uh, when they invaded somewhere. He's like kill all the artists first because they're the free thinkers of society mm-hmm. you know and it's like now look at the artists that are out there that are in a, a place to say something even look at music in the you know the whole social message of like look what they told marvin gay when he wanted to put out what's going on if you ever read the liner notes that was like it's first of all it's motown's greatest selling album of all time and Barry Gordy told him, this is going to ruin your career because you're, you're getting involved in politics and social messages. But Marvin Gaye believed in his heart that this was the thing to do, and he did it. And mm-hmm. despite what everybody else said, look, look at the effect. You know, inner, inner City Blues, all these songs that were on uh, What's Going On and, and uh, M- Mercy Me and all these tracks that were on that record, and it's like... Pfft, you know, nowadays, you don't see the artists out there kind of, you know, putting that message out there. And I think now's the most, like what I tell people, now's the greatest time in the world to be a punk rocker. Like a real punk mm-hmm. rocker spreading a social message like the Jello Biafras, the HRs, you know. Why all- is now the best time? Because of what's going on in the world, man, it's like now the real, you know, the deep thinkers really need to step up to the plate because, you know, I I, I really feel like, and it's not, I'm not like biblical at all, but I really do see that this is the, the golden age, the age of Aquarius of enlightenment. But I see at the same time, there's a lot of dark shit going on too. There's a lot of manipulation. There's a lot of people putting that negative energy out there so i always talk about what's going on and it seems so you know doom whatever but you know then the light comes on and you know you know when there's light in the room darkness can't exist and that's what's the hope for humanity Mm -hmm. is that everybody that has a voice gets out there and it is a grassroots movement because you're not going to hear about this stuff in the mainstream media but it's, you know, podcasts and websites and all this type of stuff where the knowledge is, is, is really getting out there. I mean, how do you think the non-GMO project and all this other stuff is getting so much Well, it's legs? the first time in the history that, that the, the modes of distribution cannot be controlled, you know. And it, it's the best and first time when something could really go viral without checks and balances on it. Yeah, look so at that's, that. So that's like the ultimate you know, avenue for punk, you know, punk rock. So it begs the question of, you know, what do you, how would you define punk? Like, what is your definition of punk and how has that changed from 1975 to what it is now? I mean, when I came on the punk rock scene, it was really about drugs and fucking, there wasn't much, you know, revolutionary type thought uh, going on in that whole punk scene. It was really about, you know, anarchy and, you know, destroying things and and whatever, but it wasn't until uh, bands like the Bad Brains and stuff like that started injecting socially social consciousness conscious into- and aware message into the music, you know, and then, like, I got into, you know, even the police, what they were saying, you know, we are spirits in the material world mm-hmm. and, 
you know, all these types of bands, I would always look to like, what's the secret language of that song? Like George Harrison, While My Guitar, Slow, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Here Comes the Sun, and all. He wrote all these songs as metaphors for people's spiritual uh, right. awakening and stuff. And he didn't want. He wanted it to seem cool, so he wasn't on the nose with the message, but it was there. So to me. You know, except for Jai Guru, did yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. a little on oh, the yeah, nose. That was, that was definitely on the nose. But I mean, you know, my sweet lord was yeah, great. Yeah. I mean, all that kind of stuff. And I mean, to me, you know, punk rock is anything that creates you know social change. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be for the better. Uh, social change for the better. It doesn't have to be you know people covered in tattoos and doing what I do. I mean, I, I I even say to people like, man, you're punk as as a motherfucker, you know, more than any any people that I'm meeting. That to me is like dudes that are out there and chicks out there on the front line changing people's lives. That's that's punk. That's what punk came out of a dissatisfaction with mainstream society and how we're supposed to do things. And this is the real revolution right here because to change a person's consciousness. And let them do it themselves by, you know, planting seeds of knowledge. You know, hey, yo, let's dig this. Look at this way of doing mm-hmm. it. You know, uh, that's to me is that's the real punk rockers. That's you know, guy Fred Bishi's a punk rocker to me. You're a mm-hmm. punk rocker to me. People that that's what it's really about is, you know, taking a stance against the the status quo and what people are out there doing man you know mm-hmm. it's like and they're miserable in their lives we're we're the most uh over medicated on prescription drugs for depression and everything else so if materialism's the answer why the hell are we taking all these pills to be happy mm-hmm. get through your depression and if your depression doesn't work here take this other pill that works in congestion with the first medication <laughs> yeah. you're taking and, and by the way here are all the side effects which include yeah. you, know. <laughs> you know it's like hilarious i, I snap all over that and because uh I got a chapter about Big Farmer in the new book too, and it's pretty pretty hysterical. But uh, look at this laser beam coming from over here. Oh yeah, see that? So uh, it's pretty cool. The city's we're looking out the window here. It's snow, been snowing all day. Yeah. The city's actually really beautiful right now. Yep. Cool man. But uh, great, you know, yeah. coming and seeing you. Yeah, man. Thanks. And- uh, let's wrap it up. Um, that was awesome, man. You're the the best. Dude, man. You know, (laughs) I just try to bring things from my experience in life and, you know, for whatever that's worth. And like I said, it's guys like Kevin McQuaid. It's guys like me. It's guys that I see who, I mean, I read in this one uh, vegan magazine uh, that this guy uh, went plant-based and got into Buddhism and he was a criminal doing like 25 years. He's like, if I got access to this knowledge, I wouldn't be in prison right now. Mm-hmm. But he went vegan in prison. Really? Yeah, dude. It was in, I forget, it was this magazine called Satya or something did an article, uh, which means the mode of goodness in Sanskrit. Uh-huh. And he got into Buddhism and meditation and yoga and vegetarianism inside prison. And it's completely changed his life. And this is what we need to do to rehabilitate these people who made mistakes. I mean, my nephew's facing six and a half to 15 years right now. He's locked up. And I'm like, 
if these people had access to this knowledge, they would really change their life. Those prisons are not rehabilitating people. They're warehousing people. And it's just disgusting because they deserve a chance to change. I changed, and that's why I'm writing the TV pilot. Hypothetically, if I didn't change, where would I be? Who would I be running with? Right. You know? I can't wait to see it all come out. Meat is so, for like pussies in there. July, man. I know. And let's uh, let's leave everyone with a little bibliography of some of these books, like on the theme of uh, planting the seed, some of the books and, and the documentaries, just so if somebody can break out their pen right now and jot it down, and I'll put them in the show notes. So the documentaries that we talked about, what were they again? Um, the Future of Food, The World According to Monsanto, uh, Genetic Roulette by Jeffrey Smith, Great books, uh, Confessions of an Rx Drug Pusher. Oh, another documentary is The Idiot Cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, are these all on Netflix? Yeah, those mm-hmm. are Netflix or the internet. You can actually watch the whole documentary. And, <clears throat> and uh, um, you know, books, Confessions of an Rx Drug Pusher. Mm-hmm. Even Howard Lyman, uh, Mad Cowboy. Right. So... Uh, you know, and and I love Tal Ronan's book, The Conscious Cook. Man, if anyone's just now starting to get into plant-based eating, I mean, his book is amazing because it's gourmet and he just breaks it down so easy for you to right cook really uh, healthy food. You know, in your book, which was blew me the hell away, yeah. man. Finding Ultra, Brendan's well, book, yeah, Thrive, Brendan's Thrive, Thrive. Brendan's got a new cookbook coming out. Yeah, I think, pretty soon, right? Yep. So lots of good stuff out there. All right, man. And if people want to uh, jump on your train, you're on... Uh, Meat is for Pussies. Is you for can go on that page. You can follow... Facebook? Or yeah, that, Facebook. You can follow me on Facebook too. John Joseph on Facebook. Like, you you know, like I can't add anymore because I got like... Dude, five. you need your own page so you can get more people. And it just seems a little narcissistic. <laughs> like, I know, but look, pages but they you cap you. They cap you at, they cap you at five. Five thousand, yeah. right? So you're, you've got to be yeah. your limit, right? Yeah, I'm definitely... Definitely at that, but the Cro-Mag uh, page too on Facebook. You get somebody else to create the page for you, yeah. then it's not so narcissistic. Yeah, come <laughs> No, I will. But they'll be you'll be hearing a lot about. Uh, I signed with Red Brick uh, Entertainment, which I, they're going to get me out there speaking at all colleges and doing the whole oh, wow, speaking cir- circuit. So good, you know, because uh, you know I, I want to get out there and talk to people about it. I mean, even Dr. Campbell was like, when I meet those meatheads now, I want to introduce them to you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to throw you at them next time I'm in here. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, so. Cool. And uh, yeah, you're on Twitter. You don't tweet that much, though. Well, my pages are linked up to Twitter. So when I post something on my page from Facebook or whatever, it Uh, goes to Twitter. I got you. Yeah, it's JJ Cromag JJ Cromag, yeah. Yeah. All right, man. That's about it, right? You got other websites and stuff? Nah. Cromag's playing around? Yeah. Where are you playing Yeah, we're doing the show for Converse. Um, We fly out Tuesday, play Wednesday, play in New York, uh, in uh, Antwerp. Oh, wow. Belgium. And then uh, play New York on the 21st at Santos Party House, 21st of December. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm keeping busy, man. You coming out to L.A. anytime soon? Yeah, to train with you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Go to Crossroads. Eat, Absolutely. Eat some Italian food. Treat. All right, man. Cool. Cool, man. Thanks a lot. Thank you, bro. All right, buddy. Peace. Plants. All right, people, that's our show. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed John Joseph. Guy's amazing, right?
I keep telling him he's got to get his own podcast. I think if he did, it would just explode. It would blow up the internet. Uh, but I loved having him on, and I hope you uh, you got some good stuff out of that. If you did and you want to support the Rich Roll podcast, go to Stitcher.com, vote for us for Best Health and Lifestyle Podcast of 2013. Go to iTunes and leave us a review. I'm not telling you what to write. Just write something. Show up for us there. You got some comments, some feedback you want to give us, want to give us a shout out, go to the blog at richroll.com and uh, go to the page for this episode and leave a comment there. We love getting the comments. Uh, If you have not yet subscribed to our newsletter, you can do that at richroll.com too. We've been sending out weekly uh, newsletters, um, podcast updates, but also we are starting to beef it up and I'm going to be sending uh, newsletters with helpful content uh, that you can't get anywhere else. It's going to be exclusive to the list. So go to richroll.com and sign up for that. It only takes a second. Maybe after today's show, you're, you're rethinking your diet a little bit. Maybe I should go plant-based or maybe I should at least try to get more plants into my diet, but I just don't know how to do it. Where do I start? What am I supposed to do? Well, the good news is that Julie and I put together an online course, educational program. It's called The Ultimate Guide to Plant-Based Nutrition. And you can find that at mindbodygreen.com. It's right there on their homepage. Uh, It is three and a half hours of streaming video content broken up into 10 to 5 to 10 minute chunks, each very specific to a particular uh, subject matter, whether it's, you know, how do I get my kids to eat better? And what am I supposed to get at the grocery store? And how do you do it with travel? And what do I eat before a workout? What do I eat after a workout? All that kind of stuff. Plus tons of downloadable tools, the ultimate shopping list for the grocery store, the utensils you'll need, a free copy of our Jai CD cookbook, and an online community where uh, I jump in, answer your questions. Julie jumps in, answers questions as well. The community supports each other. It's really great, and uh, I'm really proud of it. So you can check that out. We also have products for your plant-based lifestyle at richroll.com. Uh, athletic recovery supplement, meditation program, our Jai Seed e-cookbook, all which make great gifts, as well as the Mind Body Green course. That makes a great gift. Two clicks and you're done, right? Send it to somebody. It's awesome. We got the t-shirts coming soon, getting lots of of messages about when the t-shirts are going to be up, hopefully in the next uh, seven to 10 days. I wanted to get them up for Christmas time, but uh, it just, it didn't happen. We're doing, making a lot of changes to the website and we want to make sure we get it right, but it's going to be very, very soon. And we have lots of other products in development that we are going to be putting up really soon too. We're just building it out right now. So it's pretty exciting. And uh, that's it. Use the Amazon banner at richroll.com. You know how to do that. And uh, if you want to donate a little extra, we have a donate function. You can throw us a couple bucks on a one-time weekly or monthly basis. The amount, you choose the amount. Uh, and lots of people have been doing that. Thank you so much, you guys, for all the support. It has been an absolute joy and a privilege to do this show, bring this content to you on a weekly basis. I'm really excited about 2014, already lining up tons of amazing guests, and uh, this, sh- this show is, is definitely a bright, shining uh, light in my life. It's brought so much amazing joy to me, And it warms my heart when I hear that uh, you guys are getting a lot out of it, too. So thank you. We're committed, and we appreciate you guys as our audience. So that being said, happy holidays, everybody, and uh, I will catch up with you next week. I'm out of here. All right, everybody. Be well. Be safe. Be healthy. Peace. Plants. (laughs) 